connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too. Realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2018 and beyond, and a proud member of Denver Podcast Network. We are Denver's premier movie podcast. <laughs> I am Ryan. With me always is Brad. I did that on purpose. I saw it coming too. James and Zach. Haha. Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, we went and saw Ferdinand. It's a uh, the animated tell about the bull <laughs> oh, that hilarious. is really big, but he's really sweet. Isn't it like a Disney cartoon of that, like from back in the day? Um, yeah. If it wasn't a Disney cartoon a week ago, is it one now? <laughs> so, so stay tuned to the end of the show. We'll, uh, we'll where we'll spoil Ferdinand. Spoiler: It's John Cena, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who's actually pretty funny. Um, no, really, we saw Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Uh, at the end of the show, we'll tell you if you'd see it or not. Play the trailer and then uh, spoil it. So. If you haven't seen it, don't listen to the end of our show. And yeah, to be clear, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. Yes. <laughs> but we also talk about movies that are coming out, movie news and movies that we've been watching. But we also do a segment where Brad gets on a moped, fires that motherfucker up, and goes around town. The, new one you should, the song you should do for this Brad segment is uh, a Springsteen, or Springsteen ballad, like, Driving on his moped. <laughs> Down to the movie theater, <laughs> under road, Brady's so far away from his home. All he wants is a place to call his Something own. About a guy in a chicken suit. <laughs> the place he calls his own is a movie theater where only lonely souls go. That was a pretty good one. I rhymed like every like other. Sentence. What are you, gentlemen? The other boss. What are you doing on the podcast? Like, I know. You have I a recording should... career. I should be a Spruce Springsteen tribute band. It sounds a little bit like Trey Parker. <laughs> now it does, yeah. All right, so The Midnight, the Esquire this week is Amer- an American tale. Cool. So if you like cartoons about immigration, yep. uh, that's the one for you. And then the uh, Emerging filmmaker, Filmmakers Project is Thursday. Um, it's the last one of the year. It's a ugly sweater party. So for five bucks, come on down, uh, wear an ugly sweater and watch local filmmakers show their films at the bug theater Cool on Navajo street. And that's what's going on around town. Barry built on an ancient burial site of the Navajo native Americans. Oh, that's right. 
Yeah. I just thought I'd kill the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. You moved the body. <laughs> I still oh. always get that line confused. Like, you moved the headstones, but you didn't move the body. I have plenty of jokes to make. I just can't stop burping. Oh, so much chicken. <laughs> oh. Chicken was a bad choice. This podcast <laughs> sponsored by Raisin Cane's. Yes, please. Oh. Yeah, thanks, James. <laughs> I pro- no, I probably wouldn't have eaten tonight if you didn't get me something. Uh, yeah, I wasn't going to eat either. And then I was like, oh, you were running late. I actually thank you. If you hadn't been running late, I wouldn't have gone to get chicken. Mm, talking about late, did I say 6.45? Uh, yeah, I mean, it ended up being like another early. 20 minutes, but that's yeah. because driving from Idaho Springs through Denver sucks ass on Mondays. Yeah. You and Garfield have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. If only I had some lasagna. Mm-hmm. I could really go for some lasagna. Mm-hmm. I hate or, Mondays. Or a, or a dog to kick. Or an owner to berate. Yeah. These things matter. They do. I just hate cats. <laughs> well, what's wrong with you? Oh, I thought we were just listening to things we or hate. Or a younger mm-hmm. Ryan who pisses you off and you just call him normal. <laughs> yes. I guess we should do some movie news because there's some big movie news this week. What? Oh, yeah. It's real news. Uh, yeah, maybe the craziest thing that has ever happened in the history of our show <laughs> happened this week, mm-hmm. um, which we talked Zach about. Zach got laid! Yeah! Oh, we are in his house. Up in bed. You are Burn. insulting yeah, him right. in his own house. That's right. Um, it's okay. It's kind of tradition, actually. You baptized him. <laughs> uh, no, um, we talked about this, I don't know, a month and a half ago when it was sort of rumored. Maybe maybe not that even that long. Um, and then, even though I said, this will never happen, this week... Disney, quote, bought Fox. And I say bought because when you buy something for a quarter of your own stock, it's really more like a merger, um, except for the fact that they have, of course, it was an asset purchase, so they, you know, have all of the control. It's not like, you know, two dudes are Rochambeauing for control. Um, Because Fox is not completely going away. No. Fox sticks around, but it only does sports and news. And Disney has everything 21st and 20th Century Fox, uh, both the American catalog. Of the stuff they want to buy. They want the characters. Oh, yeah. Well, so they bought it for, shoot, what was the number? $46 billion? I think it's 52, yeah. $52 billion, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Star Wars happened between this and now, so I've forgotten a lot of the statistics I knew. Um, They, yeah, I, I don't know if I said this or not, but they basically paid for it. It was a stock purchase, so they paid... 25% 25% of Disney's ownership of Disney to the owners of Fox in order to buy it. Um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, Can you imagine having that much money where you're just like, mm, and here's $50 billion. And I'm going to pay for it in imaginary dollars. Like, this oh. money doesn't exist. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, or like uh, right now, the so the Carolina Panthers owner is in trouble because of how he treats women, which he should be. Yeah, don't so, do that. But he's like, I'm just going to sell the team. So his punishment is he's going to get billions of dollars for selling a football team. Yep. Awful. Different. But it's interesting. I there, There's still a lot of confusion on what Disney will actually get with like Fantastic Four. Yeah. It's like only, I think, episode four. It doesn't include five or six. It's really weird. We have to read it, and they're Shoot. still trying to figure out like all the legal stuff behind it. And, yeah, and then federal That's regulators. Weird. Have to Why don't they have five or six? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I read it. I, I, article, I read it. It's an article. I, I think on Hollywood Reporter. I was gonna say if there's anyone they couldn't get is because it would be the first one because George Lucas is so wrapped up in yeah the rights to that one. Yeah, 
But also, Fox has uh, some Batman properties, so it's be interesting how that shakes out. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you think right. Disney House would just Marvel. sell it back to them, or do you think it's too valuable that they wouldn't? I think it's too valuable. Oh that no, they wouldn't. yeah, like the Batman sixty six brand thing's too bat valuable to them. I mean, it's I mean, one. They, they, it's one of the things that if they if they didn't want it. Yeah, they 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 basically would have just paid less for the company, and you know they not made the buy show it. Gotham to get that released. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm just curious, you know. Yeah, because it is interesting. Is Batman and Spider Man going to team up and fight the Joker and Carnage like in that really cool graphic novel from the '90s? Well, they don't they don't own the film rights to Batman, right? They just own the rights to the original one, they own and then they own the show. Yeah, yeah, and all the toys and stuff associated with that, and then um, yeah, Gotham, so. right. So they can't do anything new with the character outside of probably those properties. And I'm sure in order to do anything like that, like if they wanted to make a Gotham spinoff show, they probably have to get the consent of WB to do it. Like they have to work with WB to do that. And yeah. the, the question would just be whether or not Warner Brothers would want to do that, right? But also Gotham never mentions Batman, but it does. No, but it has Bruce characters. Wayne. Yeah. Like Bruce Wayne, yeah, Jim Gordon. And often those it contracts are one like, contract. It's not like they have has, a separate one. There has to be a clause in it where they're, they're like, you, you can't use Batman or Bruce Wayne. And there has to be. Well, it depends on what's in the original Fox contract. Yeah, I don't know. The Fo- Fox if the Fox says- contract said you can use Bruce Wayne, but you can't ever use Batman directly, you can pay homage to him, but you can't actually have Batman appear. You can't have the cowl or something. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, you might, you can have little homages where bats show up, but you can't show Batman. I think it's a uh, just tied to the television rights because I think if Warner Brothers wants yeah. to make a Batman show, they'll have to ask Disney about it. Wow. Yeah. Well, remember, the animated true. series was on Fox too. That's true. So one so of the they have all the TV show rights. Yeah. One of the other big ones is obviously that now they have the X Men, um, which <laughs> Brad and I were talking about this uh, on Thursday when this happened, <clears throat> and I was like, honestly, I, I I just after Dark Phoenix comes out, I I just want them to never touch, don't ever touch this series again. Like somewhere in Phase Four or Five, like start introducing my, mutants, but don't don't try to bring back any of these like this version because the current version of x-men is so like confusing and up its own ass and like so many of the films are not that good like just start fresh like give us some young mutants what if they kick it off by like something that thanos does with something that thanos does with the infinity gauntlet activates the x gene <laughs> yes oh, i oh. am down for that sort of copyright <laughs> real nerds podcast i really hope that what happens is that yeah yeah i agree with you there and then at the end of Dark Phoenix, Disney forces them to put in a shot where their version of Thanos tears apart space and that entire universe ends. <laughs> the entire X-Men universe just comes to an end because Thanos destroys it. Like, Are that would be pretty cool. For? I want them to make Doctor Doom and the Avengers. Because yeah. if they can't get oh, yeah. Fantastic Four right, get the villain right because Doctor Doom is awesome. Yeah. Do you remember why they can't get Fantastic Four? I thought they had it. I, no, they just can't get the story right. No, no, no. The story. Oh, no, but I, they also, I thought you were saying that they don't have the So the Fantastic Four, rights. too, is actually owned by Constantine, Constantine Films, which produces the Resident Evil movies. And they're only lent to Fox on a deal. There's an article on Hollywood Reporter about... And that's where I read... I think I read the Star Wars thing. It's really hard because the Fantastic Four were made by Roger Corman. And he actually never lost the rights to them. And then Constantine Films bought the rights. Hmm. So they're able to work out a deal with Fox to make Fantastic Four. And so now they don't know if Fantastic Four is part of it. Huh. But does that include all like the Fantastic is... Four characters like Galactus and Mole Man too? I don't know. 
Seriously, just the most confusing legal nonsense to go through. That's what there's some guys who's getting, crap. There's some guy who's getting paid like $120,000 a year to just read through documents and decide who owns what. Like, there's, there's a mole man more in Fantastic that. Four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the him and then mole man from The Simpsons could like fuse together. And they kind of look the same. <laughs> Bow down, Avengers. <laughs> um, this also means that Disney basically owns Hulu now, or at least has complete control over it, because oh, they own two-thirds weird. control of Hulu. Um, Remember, Disney's like, we're going to launch our own streaming service. Yeah, which it's- if they really wanted to screw over NBC, they would just pull all of the Fox and Disney, uh, Fox and ABC content from it, and then go launch their own with all the Fox and ABC content on it, and be like, sorry, ABC, you now own 30% of nothing. Um... I wonder if the contract somewhere says they they're not allowed like that they have to behave in good faith to keep Hulu alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was such a weird thing when they built it anyway. Um, and then I haven't I haven't followed up on this too much. Has there been much about you know the SEC or anybody like trying to block this? Not trying or to block. Did, they do have to go to Congress though and tell yeah. them tell them why it's not going to monopolize Hollywood. It totally is bad, mm-hmm. but. Um, like when I'm actually as excited as I am about some of the things that could happen because of this, like it seems bad. Like this seems like not a thing that we should allow to happen, but who knows? Um, it's just a, it's a lot of consolidation, you know. It is, it's and I, I was reading it's going to take them like six seven months to even like figure everything out. Oh and- yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a year and a half before you even start seeing it work as a as one body, probably. Yeah. I'm not um, a business expert, but could their justification for the purchase, um, which they explained to Congress, could be that, like, with digital media platforms um, being out in existence, like Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatnot, that the market itself is still wide enough. It's just that the traditional... Models are yeah. kind oh, of oh yeah they're, they're not I don't think they're yeah. in any danger <laughs> of not going through yeah. because they there's a still enough other studios and there's still enough digital content Netflix like we're just trying to stay competitive yeah, yeah. and all right and it was a company that maybe wasn't doing as well and so they were taking the opportunity to to take over an entire catalog yeah. like there's a good argument for why it's okay and not terrible it just it's two giants getting very big. Um, but, but we'll, you know, we'll see. I, I see both the pros and the cons of it. Most of the pros are on the, um, like on the, it's okay side. And then the negatives are more of like, well, it's just one more gatekeeper. Like, so le- it's one less place where yeah. an artist has a potential to go and make their work. Mm-hmm. Because now the doors are even more limited. But, I mean, the easy argument against that is if you go back and look at, like, how many people George Lucas went and talked to to try and make his movie uh, in, you know, 77, 76, 77, um, there are a lot more studios to go to. Now, they aren't as big, um, but there are a lot more opportunities, and, and I think things are probably easier now than they've ever been. And the um, idea of big is kind of like a different definition nowadays. Yeah, it's just the amount of power that a company that large has. Um, All they have to do is walk up to Congress and be like, look, do you want to see the X-Men in Avengers <laughs> right. <or> not? <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well. But also it's the Murdoch's sons. They're still going to be in charge. They're, they have like a stake in Disney. So well, well, that's probably another way they're like, uh, you're going to you're gonna be part of Disney. Yeah. You're going to be part. And that means you're going to stay out. <laughs> there's a good chance that them going to court to make sure this goes through, they also just sneak a little thing in there being like, oh, and uh, Mickey Mouse is copywritten forever because we just run the government. So, who, <laughs> you know, who cares? 
I think Paul um, Ryan is just like, I don't want to see a Monopoly, but I really want to see Magneto join up with the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll I really, stay in Congress to make this happen. I really <laughs> want to see that Wolverine Hulk fight. <laughs> I do that really want to see awesome. that movie. Oh, that you just have awesome. to go re—you know—we found a way to unite the world, guys. <laughs> you, the problem is you have to go recast Wolverine. <laughs> it's gonna be so weird. Like Die Hard's gonna be a Disney property. Alien and Predator, I know. Disney properties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Die Hard, but with Goofy and Pete, uh, with a guest appearance by Powerline as his limo driver. Powerline. I wanted that on my desk yesterday. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Instead of yippee ki it's yo <laughs> No, it's Yo-ho-hoy! There we go. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, I know my Disney. Alamo Draft House in North Carolina is opening a video <laughs> rental store. In North Carolina. In North Carolina. Uh, it's It's basically... It's actually kind of cool idea, and I, I would kind of like them to do this around the country. Is it some. just for draft house films, or sort of? It's for video vortex films. Oh. So basically, oh, they're going to have awesome. a Bunch collection, uh, DVDs, VHSs, and Blu-rays, whatever is available. Um, they're basically trying to combat what it has been, which is if you're a fan of some video vortex movie, you might end up paying sixty to three hundred dollars for a copy of that movie because they're so rare to, and hard to find. This is a place where you would be able to go rent it or maybe even buy some of them if they're able to reproduce them. Um, you know, I, I think this is actually kind of a logical next step, bizarrely. Uh, if Alamo is not going to have their own, like, streaming service, the fact that they're, pro- you know, producing so many movies and distributing so many movies, like, I'm sure, yeah, any neon film you're going to also be able to rent there because why not? Um I think it's just a cool, quaint little idea. I'm sure it's not a huge, like, when they open it, I'm sure it's, like, the size of half of the glass hub full here in Denver where it's just like, Oh yeah, we have this funny little room behind a curtain where you can rent. Uh, is it a beaded curtain? Sam- <laughs> uh, Samurai Shogun 14 made by three kids. In a, yeah. A demon's return made by three kids in a closet in 1984. Um, I made that movie up there. Hey, uh, um, uh, yeah, one of so the we'll guy, see. one of the guys who's um, does he's like one of the big reps for Screen Factory did an interview with Adam Green recently, and he said that one of the theaters that he uh, ran and operated back in the day was a theater that operated also as a video rental store, and part of the reason that they um, at the time had to cl- shut down the video store operation of it was that there wasn't enough parking for the people who wanted the video store element huh. and not the uh, theater element. And so you could never do either one because too many people were there all at once. Huh. For the video store element. That's funny. It's pretty interesting. So, but with the fact that it's not the same marketplace anymore. Oh yeah. It no. might be. It's definitely. Well, and they're idea. not. They're, you're not going to be able to get a copy of Dunkirk there. I don't think. Uh, you know, it's it's only going to be for really niche weird stuff. So, Dunkirk um, instead. What's that one that we wow. saw with the like the little black kid who's. Uh, what are you talking about in front of Star oh, Wars? Uh, uh, no, Video Vortex. Hawk oh. Jones. Hawk Jones. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want to see Hawk Jones and you're in <laughs> I North do. Carolina. I want a DVD, a Blu-ray of that so bad. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully they, this also leads to them being able to reproduce some of those movies because that would be cool. So, uh, th- One of the other big things this week is just how much Star Wars news there is and interviews and all of that chatter and people's reactions. 
Uh, we're going to not talk about that now. We'll get into that more later when we have already talked about the movie and can spoil some things. Awesome. Um, but I will say, I just think this is funny. Uh, so last week there was this news that, uh, that George Lucas saw the new film and that he said it was, and that his PR person said that he said that it was beautifully made. Uh, but then we also got, uh, that he said there were too many sets built. They built too many sets in this movie. Oh, darn. You know, sometimes I watch, sometimes I watch a movie and I think, you know what? (coughs) Too many sets. Not enough, not enough feet of length of green screen to put up on a wall. Yeah. I would like to know, like, I'd like to see not only obviously what the budget of the film was, but what his budget was, what he was given. If he came in under budget, I would throw that back in George Lucas's face so fast. Like... Yeah, you know why? Because he fucking built shit, and building it is a- so oftentimes cheaper than having some dude who gets paid a lot of money spend months building you a digital set you could have made out of plywood in like four days. And building like, up a lot of regret for this franchise. Set, set designers are incredib- incredibly talented, and they do ridiculous things for not a lot of money. Well, it was um, weird when you watched like the makings of uh, Attack of the Clones, and they were jumping on like green styrofoam oh, shit. Yeah, and you're just like, couldn't you have just made a thing? They just spray paint the green styrofoam a different color. Yes, probably like the future. Uh, I'm going to make American Graffiti, but with robots. And, you yeah. go, and only I can see it. Um, Creed- Radio Land Matters <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you're good. Joke. <laughs> uh, Creed 2 is no longer being directed by Sylvester Stallone. Um, I mean, uh, why not? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I make good movies, you know? I think we make good movies. <laughs> Making movies. Stallone, what do you think of the plots of an over-to-the-top two? You know, I mean, I've been working out, you know, my my arms are still big, I mean, you know. Uh, my hope for this is that this means he throws the whole Ivan Drago story out the window, because the last thing I want is... But people want to see, you know, Creed fight, you know, no. the Russian. No, you know? no one wants to see that. I have, like, blonde hair and blue I, eyes. I, I want to see Adonis Tree Creed Probably try a, to go to an college. Anchor on his shorts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I really don't give a shit about that at all. Uh, it's being directed by Stephen Capel Jr. Uh, I don't know who he is. So it's in capable hands, you know. There you go. It's in capable hands. Um, <laughs> that was me, by the way. If you thought it was Sylvester Stallone, it wasn't. What? Man. <laughs> My whole life is a lie. Uh, his his only feature is a 2001 little indie comedy called The Land that I've never heard of. But apparently he's great. Sylvester Stallone says Go he's great. Go to the Elmo Draft House video store in North Carolina, you know. You can see that movie by <laughs> oh. Yes, They you probably have all the Rocky store. movies there. Um, I did want to talk about I'm sure you guys talked about this last week. Uh, but I wanted to bring it up. We got a trailer for Alita Battle Angel. Yeah. Uh, which I've read. Um, and it looks too much like the book, which means this might not be great. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know that the as badass and good of us as cool of a story as it is. Like, I kind of expected them to Americanize it more. And there's some weird tentacle robot stuff in there in the background, and I'm like, I'm a little worried. Um, looks looks but, like the anime to me. Right, exactly. That's what I'm afraid of. Uh, I've, I've just, I'm, I don't know. I don't um, like the font. 
Um, I'm just like I'm I, curious to see. I, I think that like her the the whole thing of her eyes is weird. Like I'm afraid that's going to be distracting, and I'm not going to be able to like relate to her properly. But we'll see. I love Alita. Those books are fantastic. Um, I, I just want I want a badass robot chick movie. Only did her like that. Like everyone else is a normal human live action person with additional yeah. CGI elements, but she her she's a completely not that actress, which is yeah. She actually looks less realistic than the Final Fantasy lady. From the Final Fantasy movie, um, because of the big eyes, yeah. it's strange. I, I don't know why. I, I mean, I think it's because she's entirely a robot. Well, her brain isn't, but she's a robot. Um, but I don't. I don't know. We'll I, see. I just probably not it, done yet, too. So he's, he's no, Christoph yeah, Christoph Waltz it, is in it, so I'm going. Yeah, um, and he plays a very lovable character. I'm sure he'll be great. It'll be interesting and to see her him. Brain not- is in the robot. I don't have a Chris Waltz. <laughs> the brain is in the robot. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm. I, I, it'll be nice to see him play a character who isn't a Nazi. That's um, a robot. Very last thing, uh, Woody Harrelson is maybe going to be in this uh, Venom movie that they're making. <laughs> um, and at the same time, it literally has like one of the best casts next year. Oh yeah, it does. It's an amazing, they're amazing you, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I feel like they're just like, every time I read something, like, next, Michelle Williams. Now, Woody Harrelson. Yeah. And they're just like, hey. Directed by Steven Spielberg now. Hey, hey, you fucker. You don't like <laughs> yeah. Venom? Well, we're going to put everybody you like in it. And well, we Cruise just hired Bruce Campbell to play a bit part in the movie. Motherfuckers! <laughs> Here's where the rubber meets the road, because we also learned this week that it's going to be based on two specific comic book uh, storylines. One is Lethal <laughs> Protector. The other lethal protector, and the other one is Planet of the Symbiotes. Uh, Ryan, do you know about either of these books? Uh, yeah, Lethal Protector uh, came out in '95. It was uh, written by Venom's original creator, I believe, and it's drawn by Mark Bagley, so it looks great. Cool. Um, is it and wor- what makes me really excited is the f- I have the first like three issues. And the first one's already like 40 bucks. And so when that movie starts coming out, it'll be really expensive. And then you'll sell that shit. And then I'll go down to uh, Coins, Cards, and Comics and be like, hey, I really want this old Spider-Man. Take Venom Lethal Protector instead. And I'll get it. That's pretty good. I like that. Um, I assume that it's like one of the ones where he becomes kind of like yeah, the he Punisher. Goes out to San Francisco and like kills criminals. Okay. I the am interested in this. As he goes out there and fights a bunch of things like him. Those two things seem like they're in contention with each other, but okay. Maybe the first half of the movie is like he gets a symbiote, and then he fights gangs, and then at the end he's like, there's more of these things, so he teleports himself magically to a planet where he fights them like the Hulk. I'm just saying. I, you know, I'm out there to write scripts for people if uh, if you want. <laughs> My phone number is 303 7 I think I probably have like a synth soundtrack. I'm like, these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Son of a bitch. Uh, oh. Oh no, it's Sony, right? For a second there, I was like, "Oh, Disney owns this piece of shit now." Never mind. That not yet, not yet. Disney once, owns my house. <laughs> once Emoji Two happens, Disney will own Sony too. Uh, cool. And I think that's news, unless anybody thinks I forgot anything. We did have one death this week. Uh, Bob Gibbons, who was an animator for Warner Brothers, oh, uh, during the golden age of animation, there died at ninety nine. He is one of the T- one of the people on the team that designed the Bugs Bunny we now know today. Wow. Um, he also worked on a lot of uh, animated shows in the 80s and 90s. Cool. So this guy was working, well, seems like close to up to his death. Wow. Um, so, but 99 years old. Good man, job. Gave us, gave us our, uh, one of our childhood staples, man. 
It's hard to beat 99. Yeah. And uh, also and Keely Digitus. Smith died. She was uh, Louis Prima's uh, wife and one of the first collaborators uh, that she worked for. She was a great jazz singer in her own right. But. And if you want cool. to uh, visit the memorial for um, – what's his name? I'm sorry. Bob Givens. Uh, take a, a, a right at Albuquerque, not a left. Yes. Yes. That's an old Make a stop over at Anaheim. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello? Any – any 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 cartoon fans from the forties out there? Oh, that was great, Ryan. It's right there next to Pismo Beach, <laughs> <laughs> and all the clams you can eat. <laughs> this is what's coming out on Blu-ray. Huh. Get me the video cassette of Spaceballs the movie. Have you seen this? But there's been a new breakthrough in home video market: instant cassettes. They're out in stores before the movie is finished. Okay, this one, you have to check this out sometime. I can't even. Just promise me you'll rent it. Sir. What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Fuck much to worry. Prepare to fast forward. Prepare to fast forward. Fast forward. Fast forwarding, sir. Well, this is the last time I rent here. You'll be missed. Screw you. No, no, no. Go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play this again. Suspense. Beria is getting a um, mm, Dario Argento. big mm-hmm. Blu-ray release this week with a pretty cool steelbook. It's funny. It doesn't say, say steelbook here, but it clearly is. Oh, no. Yeah, it does. I'm just missing it. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool looking steelbook. It's an unusual like a, movie. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Have you seen it? I have. It's um really Italian. Does it have this naked lady in it? Yes. It does. Okay. I haven't seen it in years, though, but I've heard that this uh, new transfer that they did is really good. Yeah. yeah. The Vinnie Pereira, the guy who... Uh, uh, worked as Kevin Smith's like he worked with him at the Quick Stop. I guess he worked on the sound mix for the new uh, release. So huh. he's been promoting it all over his Facebook page. Cool. Uh, Dunkirk is getting its uh, 4K release this week, which I'm pretty excited about. Yep. I can't wait to pick that one up. We got to go to Dunkirk. Uh, I have that one coming without seeing the movie. Am I okay? Yeah. Okay. I pre-ordered it. So You're I, good. Right. I feel sorry that you have to watch it for the first time at home. Um, but you'll be fine. Yeah, I know. It's, the yeah. sound design is really important in that. So yeah, just 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 sit real close to the TV Crank it and up. and yeah, imagine. Blow out. Yeah, like everything you like, just like it harder. I just don't like force yourself to have. That's what I say to fun. my wife. Oh, speaking of Christopher Nolan, though, pretty much everything else is getting a 4K release this week. Uh, Interstellar is getting one. The whole Dark Knight trilogy is on 4K this week. Inception's getting a 4K release. The Prestige is getting a 4K release. But you have to buy it with the whole set, which blows. Um, what? The, the Prestige doesn't have its own singular release. So you have to get it with the set. You know why? Because it's a Disney movie. Yeah, that's probably the deal they struck. Is they can only release it if it's part of the set. Uh, it looks like it's separate right here on Blu-ray.com. Well, go to any Amazon listing or Best Buy listing, and you will find that it's not listed. Okay. Yeah. Believe me, I've looked. Man, I think I read about that. I I just want that movie. Think about the bread that. Oh yeah, that's so weird. What? what? Oh, it says pre-order. I mean, Best Buy has like a page for it. There's just no art. What? Yeah. Did they just add it like? Yesterday, uh, here let I'm me, go let me click on Amazon. Right okay, Amazon didn't have a page for it, right? Because they're Weird. feeding me now. Disney. I went through Blu-ray. Anyway, this is great podcasting. That's shitty though. If you have to buy it, you, so you have to buy it as part of the box set with yeah. the other ones. Uh, oh, as part of this collection, the the Nolan collection that has it's, it's Inception, one, Prestige, so. Interstellar, and all three Batman's and Dunkirk. Man, well, that's too bad. Kind of sucks is that those Dark Knight releases are. 
not going to include the special features that they did for that Blu-ray special edition. Oh, okay. So I'm kind of torn because I want to future-proof myself, but I really want to see that conversation you did with Richard Donner. All right, so. so I guess in the past couple of days, there is a yeah prestige on Best Buy, but there's no art. As yeah, the weird. release date is tomorrow, so we'll see. Well, we'll see. If Go you, check it out. Yeah, if you're like me, you might just wait 6 to 12 months and pick it up when it's A, cheaper, or B, I want it now. Uh, when you can buy them individually. I just don't know that I... This is going to be weird. I just don't know that I care about the Batman movies on 4K, strangely <laughs> enough. like Batman. The other ones are the ones that visually like I want to watch on a on a big beautiful television because I care about the shots more whereas Batman I'm like this is just fucking awesome um I don't know anyway I guess I guess that means I might as well just spend $150 on the whole thing but whatever uh mother or sorry uh let me try this again hey Kellen Kellen yell mother <laughs> mother is that on blu-ray this week uh or, and 4k so you can watch that weird thing that we some of us liked and some of us didn't like, and one way or another, you should see it just to decide whether or not you like it. Don't watch it if you're pregnant, though. Um. Yeah, I mean, I okay. wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, no. Watch it if you hate babies. <laughs> there, you, <laughs> there you go. Um. Yeah. All you baby haters out there, get ready. Darren yeah. <laughs> Aronofsky made a movie for you. Yeah, it's a big market that he <laughs> has found himself in. It's a new genre on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of hating babies, uh, the Lego Ninjago movie <laughs> is out on that. I don't know. Babies? I don't know. I don't know. It was just a good segue. Babies could... can't play with Legos. They got to play with Duplos. Ah. That's true. Yeah, that's right. Okay. They used actually, you know, there used to be Primos, which are even like they were for kids even younger than than Duplo, and D uh, Lego stopped making Primo uh, because Lego hates babies. Bam. Weird. Look at how I got there. Uh, yeah, so I can uh, finally maybe see the Lego Ninjago movie since I <laughs> kind of didn't care enough to see it in theaters. Um, the next one, the Amicus Collection, uh, which is apparently four movies, Asylum, and now the screaming starts, the, Bla the, the Beast Must Die, and the Vault of Amicus uh, are in a thing called the Amicus Collection this week from Severin. And it looks like a thing that I don't know anything about. Uh, and Ryan's not here because his kid has poop. So uh, we will move on. He can has poop? He can has poop. American Gothic is on Blu-ray this week, which I think is a shout. Yeah, it's a Shout Factory release. The family that slays together stays together. Oh, yeah, with um, uh, freaking George C. Not George C. Scott. Um, uh, nope. Shit. Pull it up. I, I know I'm close. Uh, how about Burt Wettinson? How about Michael Vine? Oh, no, those are the no, writers. How about Rob Steiger? Rob Steiger, that's it. The, 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 the blowhard general in Mars Attacks. How about Sarah Torgove? I don't know her. but Yep. I, the poster for American Gothic is pretty cool. Cause yeah. It's, the, it's American Gothic. Yeah, but it's a Grant Wood. Creative. <laughs> so I, I still kind of want to see Mother again. But I think I'm going to wait till it's like five bucks. You just yeah. want to look at Jennifer Lawrence's boobs. I, I, just, go, I go on Google to see that. <laughs> I, um... I'm probably gonna buy it. See, I'm just torn because, like, I don't like. I gave it four stars, not because I think it's like a great movie, but I think it's so like unique. It's yeah, it's technically like magnificent. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know how. I can't recommend it to anybody. It is creatively magnificent. Yeah. Like, if it your not mom came amazing. up to me and is like, "Hey, should I see Mother?" Be like, no. Oh, I I told her the entire plot of that film. Like, I sat back there and was like, so, you're never going to like this movie, and you're probably never going to see this movie, so I'm just going to explain to you what happens, because the only way you might watch it and enjoy it is if you already knew what was going on, <laughs> because, like, uh, you know, 
And once I explained it, I think they both tuned out halfway through the conversation because <laughs> they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, like me in the movie. Um, but I think no, it's, no, I think she it's was really great. In the, actually, she's great in that movie. Yeah, she is. Um, and not just because she's sometimes naked or wearing something that's see-through, Ryan. No, I think <laughs> I said in our review, the camera never leaves her. Oh yeah, and that's interesting. So, Brad, uh, some weeks ago, I got a text from my mom, uh, and she was stopped at a stoplight, and she took a photo of this person's bumper sticker in front of her, and she was like, hey, this is for Ryan, and the bumper just, sticker just said, I like boobs. Big ones, small ones, ones that fit in your hand. And it was <laughs> Ryan's car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your mom should have said hi. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. It's weird to have a bumper sticker on a squad car like that. <laughs> <laughs> We're a little more free up there. To serve and protect, I like boobs. <laughs> to serve, something, so the words get crossed out at some point, and it says to serve and protect boobs. To yeah, boob- instead of in God we trust, I just cross off God like in boobs we trust. <laughs> the O oh. and the D are just turned into boobs. Oh. <laughs> uh, Leatherface, the origin story of the Chainsaw Massacre Leatherface. No, if you Leatherface, want the-, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Uh, no, no, <laughs> the complete title here is the origin story of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre it's Leatherface. put out. Um, oh yeah, the direct TV. The one no one saw. Jerry yeah. Smith calls it the best Texas Chainsaw film since the original. What is, is it via Twitter? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I've heard that we that, that it's not like terrible. Uh, like the filmmakers behind it apparently did something else. Like that was really good. So like they brought a different sensibility to it. It's only I'm 80, curious. It's only eighty eight minutes long, so you're not risking much. No. So I think it's on. I think I get it on demand hmm. like pretty cheap. So oh cool. Uh, uh, oh no, I don't think I care about that. Uh, and then the last thing I've got here is the let's see, I think season six through eleven, maybe more of South Park are South Park South Park are out on Blu-ray I this think week. It's up to ten. Uh, well, it's definitely eleven because <laughs> no, that no one 11. I'm open. Yep, yeah, right. um, yeah. I just I didn't see twelve, so I'm assuming eleven is the highest number. Because um, I think twelve is our first season on Blu-ray. Yeah, Twenty-four is the highest. number Oh really? No, no. I mean for fuck. It's a Mr. Show thing. Why uh, <laughs> the 24 is the highest number? <laughs> and well, what about anyway. 31? <laughs> um, yeah. Never mind. That's, uh, Anytime you can bust out a Mr. Show reference, though, it's yeah. a good day. Just, just, just with a quiet voice, just, I'm, I'm just going to repeat all the lines. Oh, man, my, my dick is so hard. <laughs> Then fucking suck it. <laughs> Maybe the greatest skit of all time. This is, and that's Blu-rays this <laughs> week. See how I just brought it all to a close mm-hmm. there. Really, really, you know, keeping us on track, putting the rails back on the train, because that's how trains work. Um, we also watch films throughout the week in a segment we cleverly entitle "What We've Been Watching." Films we watched this week. No, you idiot. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what'd you watch this week? Um, real quick before I go, I was looking at digital bits, and there's like a Jennifer Connelly. Is there a killer over there? It's the second time in a row you're going back to digital bits. (laughs) If it's not on Blu-ray, I don't care. I know. I'm not not saying you missed it, because it's like... But it's it's a Jennifer Connelly movie, and she's... I don't know if it's a drawing of her or just a drawing of the character, but she's like laying on the title, uh... and there's a swan like pecking at her chest. What's the name of what? it? Is it Dark Water? Etoil? Yeah, it's one of her AKA. early ones, Etoily or something. Yeah. Ooh, Jennifer Connelly. And it is a Blu-ray. She's the only actor's name I know from it. So, yeah, that's weird. Anyway, um, so what have I watched this week? 
Um, let's see. I what I <laughs> I'm bringing up my list. Sorry, I I because I went to Digital Bits and then I saw uh, from PBS Fox Tales and I couldn't help but go, woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I watched Jackass two again. Yes, that's tons of fun. <laughs> um, I miss those guys. I wish they weren't old and tired and dead. <laughs> Some of them dead. <laughs> Um, Some of them have to pee into a bag. Yeah. Uh, Graciously, uh, Stars has released uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead onto Netflix. Yeah. So. And I watched that this week as well. I got to watch the second season of that, finally. Good show. And it's fun. Uh, The the Demon Car is probably the best uh, part of that season. But, um, I don't know, I'd say like the last four, three uh, episodes kind of feel like They've run out of steam because they think they're going to get canceled. <laughs> so it's like it doesn't really. Go. I, I like his dad dies in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that his that's, dad's Lee Majors. <laughs> that's just. I, I think it's in the first or the second or fourth episode. Yeah, it's so, really quick. Yeah, it's yeah. really quick. Like you think he's going to be like this major player in it? And he, nope. Yeah. <laughs> really violently too. In, I love, in I love, a funny, funny. Yeah. I love how in the first episode they make up um, six million dollar man reference right off the bat just to get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I liked it. I liked the episode in the asylum, although it's it's weird because the episode before it, like they knock him out, and then he wakes up in the asylum. But it seems like stuff happened in between that either I wasn't picking up on or hmm. like because like how everything happens in the asylum. I don't watch it in a while. I, have to, I mean, it ended over a year ago, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I you still, guys are so behind. One of the things that I love about that show, though, like I've just like regardless if it's season one or two, is like. The, the blood continuity in that show where it's like blood on their clothes and whatnot is inconsistent and it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> yeah, it's like Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it should be. But uh, And Ash keeps getting like brand new blue shirts mm-hmm. <laughs> between things. Like, where does he pick up his shirts? Uh, his, I love how his outfits never really change. Yeah. He's like, you know, uh, he's like Spider-Man. Just, or what, what am I thinking of? There's like a joke where, is it Charlie Brown? Yeah, Charlie Brown goes in and all his shirts are the same. Yeah. Um, and I like they brought Henrietta back. From Evil Dead Two, mm. and then one of the strangest Play things, that, one of the strangest things Bruce Campbell's probably ever had to do within the Evil Dead world is suck at the teat of Henrietta, <laughs> mm. or get shoved up a demon's ass. Yeah, yeah that's that's one, but um, yeah, so yeah, there's some cool stuff. But after that demon thing, and then the car, and like Henrietta, uh, the last couple episodes, they f- like go back to the. The Evil Dead house. It just yeah. kind of seems like it just kind of spins its wheels. Um, and then the the whole uh, town square seems like a, a set. <laughs> yeah. So, which the first season was awesome because it felt like it was really filmed on location. Mm-hmm. But clearly, stars must have cut their budget because they're... Well, Bruce Campbell talked about when I went and saw him about how people need to watch it because, <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing season three is going to be the last one because one, they postponed it. Mm-hmm. To yeah. February, yeah. You think they're even gonna get to because, like, season one set up stuff for season two, but season mm-hmm. two just ends with like, yeah, maybe we'll come back. Yeah, I think that was because they didn't know, yeah. and so I, I'm, I don't think they're gonna make one after season three unless Netflix picks it up. Yeah, well, it's good they released it on Netflix because more people will be able to watch it. Yeah, yeah, it'll build a fan base. It's a fun show, love it. Um, then I also got to watch uh, Halt and Catch Fire season four, which is the last season of that great show, um, and it's. Pretty much the whole season is just wrapping things up. So there's no, there is a pursuit of uh, some new technology again, but it's really like it doesn't go very far, hmm. um, and it's really just kind of 
rounding up a lot of the characters. And the second to last episode is like, like <coughs> so heartbreaking that even I welled up. What? Cried. Yeah. Holy Wept shit. Wept tears. This is, you're this, the coldest motherfucker I know, I know. too. I was, <laughs> this is what it's like. When you used to be ruthless. Yeah. Now I care about everything. Yes. That's funny. So it's really good. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's really in the way they portray something that is is commonly portrayed in, I'm not being specific enough because James hasn't watched it yet and I don't want to spoil it for him. I appreciate it. I'm sorry for making it hard. But um, yeah, something that is a resolution to things that is often played very straightforward um, they find a creative way to portray it, and it's just like devastating. Um, oh. And that show's known for doing like creative things, especially like when um, Gordon has uh, the brain tumor. The brain tumor uh, thing. There's a, I think it's cephaly, or what's the word? C- syphilis? No, he doesn't have syphilis. Anyway, he's a, he's a degenerating brain disorder. Yeah, um, and like his hallucinations. He's got are, the dumbs. <laughs> he's got the dumbs uh, he's slowly getting dumb um yeah so they have creative ways of portraying things and like montage yeah. and stuff that's but anyway overall like uh it's a pretty decent end of the show but uh yeah i just wish it wasn't over because there's yeah. plenty of technological things this season is about building a search engine yeah so um maybe they'll make another season maybe they'll make a spin-off show and go back and tell a different story like i just it's it's too bad because i think they because of the way the show is structured, they kind of have to end it. Uh, I don't even know if they're ending it creative, like if they're crea- if they wanted to end it in four seasons, or if they just don't have enough of a following, and so they kind of knew, like, okay, the fourth one is the, the last one anyway. Um, so, because I just think that show is so well written, I would almost want them to like go, go make Halt and Catch Fire two and go back to the beginning with completely new characters and tell a different story in that kind of era and way, you know, like mm-hmm. almost anthologize the series. Uh, if you will, you know, because it's such a well-written, smart, interesting show. Yeah. That then, but I also want it to be able to progress through time the way that it does. Like I, I can't have my cake and eat it too. They when they catch up with modern time, the show kind of has to end unless they're like, I'm the new Elon Musk and I'm uh, like responsible for all technology. Who's going to the moon with me? You know. <laughs> yeah. Or even, yeah, go into awesome. the future with Joe McMillan. Like, they're creating yeah. the next space transport to Mars. Yes. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. And then, the, like, the th- the sixth season was on Mars, and they're building Westworld. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> um, Crossover show. Yeah. Yep. So, watch all of Halt and Catch Fire. Do it's it. only four seasons, so. Yeah. And, and they're like shorter 10 seasons. episodes apiece. So. Yeah. And the last thing I watched was Lady Bird. Ooh. Um, How'd you like it? Uh, I thought it was good. Um... Like the hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, I guess. I don't. Know. I mean, you can't say like, it's one of those movies. It's good. You can't really say it's bad. Yeah, yeah but it's, I liked it. It's just so straightforward. Of like, here's this girl's senior year of high school, and yeah. it like chronologically just advances. There's no real traditional transitions between things. It just jumps to the next to the next coming of age part of her life, and uh, yeah. It was interesting. I saw an interview with Greta Gerwig where she said like, you know, one of the harder things about this movie is that it's a film where. Kind of like nothing important happens. Yeah, it's just. Like she, I think her exact words are. Yes. She said it's not about anything. You know, like it's not. Th- there is it's nothing. Slice of life. Yeah, like yeah. there is. Yeah, it's just a one little slice of this girl's life, 
and how particularly difficult that is to make like interesting but mm-hmm. um i yeah i thought it was pretty cool yeah and i was interested the whole time like there's yeah interesting <laughs> scenes and things to watch and then it just sort of ends well. and you yeah. go all right that was a thing thank yep. you for that you <laughs> did you did good um and then are we doing shape of water next week <laughs> i don't know we're gonna do the greatest showman or jumanji okay i'm not gonna see the greatest showman Okay. I think it looks terrible. I mean, I guess I would if you guys really want to go see the. I'm just I just was complaining. I on should it. add that to why what, what I've been watching, or if it's going to be one of our weeks. I mean, I've already seen it, so whatever. Yeah, so oh, you did? So. Oh, I, so if I'm the only one who hasn't seen it, then don't wait for next week. Just talk about it now. Okay. And I'll I'll see it this week sometime. Yeah. Or next week. So I also watched The Shape of Water. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, that's exciting. Psych! I didn't. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. I did. Um, and I thought that was good. Um. I haven't seen the creature from the Black Lagoon, but if I wanted to see a modern version, that's what I imagine it would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's nice. The production design is incredible. Yeah. The creature effects are great. Um, the story is a little more straightforward and obvious, more obvious that or as obvious as I expected from the trailer. Um, so, uh, and the acting is like a of force from everybody like oh yeah sally hawkins is great is amazing um richard jenkins is really good in that film yeah too. But, i mean yeah yeah he the just, scene where he's at the diner at towards the end is pretty oh, heartbreaking oh, yeah. yeah and then yeah she has to do the, there's a musical number in it which is like oh yeah yeah neat <laughs> um well uh michael shannon's just yeah terrifying i did it like, did go a little like they actually when they went to how her relationship with him continue to build with uh, Gilman. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, they're really doing it. And then how she explains to Octavia Spencer how it happens is pretty yeah. great. <laughs> um, at, the, at the end of the movie, does Tom Cruise show up and he's like, I'm a mummy. <laughs> Join the... Uh, Can that please happen? Dark Universe mm-hmm. Avengers. Yeah. You're yeah. part of the bigger world. The weirdest part of the movie. What, a, what a great way to redeem yeah. the mummy movie would be if this was their Black Lagoon. <laughs> but going back to your thing, Ryan, like early on, I'm just like, wow. That's a, like a lot of nudity for. I know uh, it's, for it the was, opening. It was a little shots. surprising, but then as you see it and how who the character is, it, it makes sense. Of by Elise the end. is like yeah. you're like oh yeah, Eliza. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I loved how in an interview he's like I I made the movie because I wanted to see Creature from the Black Lagoon if the creature ended up with Julie Adams, which I was like that's fucking awesome. But then like it just. Overall, like it's not even just the creature from Black Lagoon. I feel like the entire film manages to capture themes that all the monster movies, at least the like initial ones, like mm-hmm. Frankenstein, Dracula, Invisible Man, stuff like that, that all of them captured in their own way. And too, a lot of t- in a lot of those movies is the the bad guy isn't really the monster. Yeah, it's the person that either creates or hurts the monster. Yeah. And, and yeah, Michael Shannon's great. I love oh, the scene. Because uh, he gets his two fingers bitten off in it, and uh, they they're going out looking for the creature when it gets away, and he's like, "What is that smell? Is that your fingers?" <laughs> and his fingers are all black because they're decaying. Get out of the car! This is my car. <laughs> <laughs> the scene with when he removes the fingers is, oh. oof. but the, the only it's intense. Uh, the only uh, ding against it though is um, like some of the wide shots on the highway. You can see like the city in the background. It looks like a modern like they do a lot of mm. television programs that seem to set it in the fifties. Yeah, but, I think it's set in Cold War fifties. Yeah, 
but like or 60s uh, the city outside of her like the movie theater street Mm -hmm. seems very modern and then there's like security cameras and like key cards so it's it's like a weird pastiche of modern and yeah it might be one of those things where you can kind of play it in any in any era i guess Mm. yeah i mean is it it is a fantasy like this is a movie about a like a lagoon creature yeah it's it's basically a fable Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot i thought it was an interesting choice he's really good at fables you know Mm -hmm. um whether it's Pan's Labyrinth or, I guess, kind of little more twisted fables. Did your wife see it? Mm-mm. Okay, because the part with the cats, I was like, <laughs> yeah. did she did she make it through? I, well, I mean, I try to take my wife to every movie, and she doesn't come. So, mm-hmm. um, it's a great film. I loved. I loved the shit out of it. Yeah. I think that this is. I. I. It's, it sounds so weird. It's like this. Is, I. Cause I. I haven't seen. Um, his Crimson Peak yet, mm. but um, this is a film that I've wanted to. Kind of see Guillermo del Toro do for a while. Yeah, it's not like Pacific Rim, but it's, he's he's yeah. a great filmmaker. Yeah, it's 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 not what this movie is. Um, and I love the I I the Richard Jenkins character is amazing. Like, there's actually like stories that Guillermo del Toro draws from in the story, like stories within the story about like old Hollywood and whatnot that are actually really interesting. Like, he, there's an old time radio reference in that movie regarding Alice Faye. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mention every single element of it, but it's there. Yep. Like I was just like, fuck, man, this is awesome. He likes entertainment. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's it for me, Zach. Um, well, I've been bound at the house the entire week, and I watched a lot, but I'm not going to talk about all of it because it's too much. Um, we've talked about a couple of them though. I watched Astros vs. Evil Dead seasons one and two back to back because I hadn't watched season one since the year before, and still great. I love it. Um, I can't wait for season three and. God willing, maybe we get some more. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is going to exist for 30 episodes is a win for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we've already won in this case. I rewatched Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. We've talked a lot about those in the past, so I won't go too far into I those. I forgot to but... say how, like, like, I love how much of a smartass. Uh, I mean, he's always been a smartass, but, like, the, some of the, his lines in this, in this season two are just, like... I actually think that his best character moment is at the end of season one. Where he chooses the easy way out with uh, oh, yeah, the with, demon. I yeah. think that's so in line with his character. Mm-hmm. Where everyone expects him to be the hero, but he's like, no. <laughs> but then season two, he's like, yeah, this plan, and like no one's listening to him. And then he follows through <laughs> with the plan, and everyone's like, you had a plan? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I told you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, it's great. I love it. Um, so, don't need to really like get too further much into it. Um, I kind of, after that, went into a horror spree. So, I rewatched some old stuff on Shudder and uh, Amazon. Uh, Black Christmas from 1974, which is great. Um, it's Bob Clark, the guy who ended up doing A Christmas Story and Porky's and stuff like that. But this is like the film that blew him up big. Um, it's got Olivia Hussey in it, and uh, who was in Psycho Four, played um, Norman's and mom. Linnea Quigley. Yeah, and um, and Margot Kidder. And Margot Kidder, <laughs> drunk as fuck throughout the entire yeah. movie. And I didn't see. I, I remember you reviewed it two years ago, but I hadn't seen it in like maybe six years. Yeah, it's it's pretty well done. I mean, it's it's uh, really confined, and I I think it's it's a pretty fun movie. It's v- and it's very odd. Like the sound design, oh, yeah. the sound oh, design yeah. is really very, weird. Yeah, and like unlike most serial killer movies, and it wasn't following any template at the time, it doesn't end on a final note. Like it's mm-hmm. mu- it's even more ambiguous than Halloween to a degree. Yep. Um. So that was fun. Uh, watch Prom Night, the original again with Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm not a big fan of it. Hey, I, I, neither am I, because like until the last thirty minutes, it is high school or it's nine oh two one oh, but in the disco era. 
um, because everyone's backstabbing each other, everyone's fucking around with each other. The opening to that movie is yeah, it's unique great. and interesting. And I think the poster's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about the one with Jamie Lee where she has the bouquet and has... I like the other one too with him in the mask too, but it doesn't always like it doesn't re- yeah. like it doesn't represent what the movie's kind of about. Mm. <laughs> um, but the scene where he's um, following around—I don't remember all their names—but she's the bitchy one who tells them that it, at the beginning that if you tell anybody, we're all going to jail. So he's chasing her around, and like I like how the soundtrack. There's no real score during that scene. It dips out, and all you hear is the background disco music, and it only picks up when it needs to pick up. Yeah, so it's pretty cool on that note. Um, I watched the first Slumber Party, Slumber, Slumber Party Massacre again. That one's fun. That one's fun. Um, <laughs> wonderful side plot about tr- trying to masturbate to a playgirl that has Sylvester Stallone on the cover. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this, this you was... Oh, I needed money. This is you the know? Roger Corman era, guys, and it was wonderful. <laughs> I wish you could have all lived through it. Um, and then um, this is one I really wanted to talk about is Terror Train. So... <laughs> I have never seen Terror Train before, unlike mm. the other ones I just mentioned. So I, but I knew it had Jamie Lee Curtis in it, so I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And the opening starts, and it's interesting because it's about a guy who gets pranked by a fraternity of uh, medical students, mm-hmm. um, and I guess it sends him to the insane asylum because um, he ends up like killing somebody as a result of the shock and trauma and whatnot. But like he gets put away. So then it cuts to um, seniors um, from the medical school going on a party train because it's not a part. This wasn't the party bus era, guys. It was party trains. That's right. You had to, you had to get a conductor. You had to, you had to shovel coal into a into a fire into a fire engine. Like you know, you, you get it going. Um, and everyone's going on the on the train, and little do you know, there's a murderer on the train who keeps switching costumes, and that's the, kind of the the selling angle of this. But it's not the only thing because there's an integral part to the movie. Um, in the cr- that, is that one uh, mask supposed to be Gene Shalit? No, it's supposed to be Groucho. Okay, because like it looks Groucho. like Gene Shalit. I know. I thought so too, and I was like, and, just, and they say Groucho, and I'm like, oh, shitty uh, Groucho. I don't remember. And then like crappy Gorn. <laughs> um, but um, the the interesting is like in the opening credits, it shows all the actors, and then you usually get a final build actor like a like the main attraction, like the big get you get for three days. It's David Copperfield. Yeah. And um, uh, I thought, okay, this is The magician be a- for our yeah, as <laughs> young the, as, fans as, out there. As the magician, uh, and plays the magician. And I thought, okay, this is just a cameo. Maybe he's just like somebody the students hired. No, it's an integral plot point. It is. Because the kid who got freaked out and seeks revenge, he was also into magic, guys. And the the twist at the film, I'm just going to spoil it because I know you're not going to see it. Oh, yeah, no, I don't care. Um, So the twist is, is that... The killer and is into magic, and so we think that the magician might be the killer. But then, sure. when they think that David Copperfield are, might be the killer, yeah. But when everything's that been would solved, be cool. yeah, but when everything we think has been solved, we think the killer has been thrown out of the train. No, he's grabbed on and he's actually pulled himself back on the train. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis goes searching around the magician's trunk. She sees a rose that the magician offered her at one point, and it brings back PTSD nightmares. And so she. Um, uh, leans back on the magician's trunk and the trunk opens, guys, mm-hmm. and David Carpafield's been chopped up and butchered and stuffed inside the trunk. Yes. So it's not him. And then what you find out later is that the guy who's been the killer the entire time drag-dressed as the magician's assistant in order to get onto the train and not be noticed. And then it's revealed that the the real killer is Chris Angel. Mind free. Which I, I will say this, though. No? So, the, so he is revealed to be the assistant. Chris Angel? I, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no, man. The, uh, like the assistant, the female assistant. 
which means he would have had to get into drag. What I didn't really think about until afterward was that they did a good job of not really doing a close-up on the assistant um, or a clear close-up on the assistant throughout the entirety of the movie. So it, for a viewer, it's easy to Believe. be able to make that connect. <laughs> but it's that very loose. It's very loose. Um, and then yeah. they have a fight. Jimmy, Chris Angel they, could play a girl. <laughs> Yeah, he's got the you know he's a he's a pretty looking girl. I, I'd rather have the guy from uh, uh, that Jim Carrey played in Incredible Burt Wonderstone. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yes. Yeah. Long story short, gets thrown out the train. I just thought it was funny that a magician was your big get for 1980. Yeah, 80, well, how how recently like, did that had he made the, the Statue of Liberty disappear? I don't know, but like my mom was talking about having seen him in L.A. at some point, like in the early 70s. Yeah. So. And his, I mean, he walks out to the final countdown. I don't know if you guys know that. Illusion, Michael. <laughs> Trick is something a whore does for money or candy. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, but it was directed by Richard Roger Spottiswood, who uh, directed um, it's either Tomorrow Never Dies or The World Is Not Enough. Um, uh, but he directed James Bond movies. That's he a big difference. One of those so movies can, is good. So you can go from eighties low budget slasher to James Bond to The World Is Not Enough. <laughs> Um, also watched a couple 30 for 30s. The one on the XFL was hilarious. I think that if you do a Vince McMahon movie, it should be about him trying and failing with the XFL. Um, and I saw Playing for the Mob and Doc and Daryl. The Doc and Daryl one was good. It was actually directed by Judd Apatow. Did he also direct The Sixth Day? Did Roger Spottiswood? Yes, yeah, he he, yeah, he did. Yes. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Sorry. Schwarzenegger lines ever. Yeah. You should clone yourself while you're still alive. Why? So I can understand your unique position? No, so you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> it earned that PG-13 rating, guys. Yeah, it did. You should see great. The Sixth Day. It's awesome. It's great. Um, also saw Cold-Blooded, The Clutter Family Murders, which is about the... Cold-Blooded. The murder, the family that was murdered that inspired the novel In Cold Blood. Cool. Um, this, it was like a four-part mini. <laughs> yeah. It's cool that family was murdered. Uh, no, no, no. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, his reaction was a little, like, weird, a little yeah. weird. You're like, we got a Tommy Wiseau over there? Dude, they were a nice Christian family. Went to church every no, Sunday. No, I mean, like, uh, that's a cool premise for a movie. Because I, I, yeah. That family was murdered? Cool. That. Real like, human emotion. I like Capone. Okay? Yeah. Real human hey, James, emotion. I have AIDS. Cool. <laughs> um, so, no, it's interesting because, like, unlike many docs on that subject, they actually focus on the family. Which I think is kind of important because remember that shitty cult from Boulder Focus on the family. <laughs> hey now, uh, a for Collins, no, not for Collins. Uh, uh, Colorado Springs. Is it Colorado Springs? I thought yeah. it was. No, I just remember they, that, it's, Paul McCartney from CU days was really big into them. The old football coach, Bill oh, McCartney. Oh. I'm sorry, Bill McCartney. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why are you putting me in there? <laughs> Don't lump me into that category. <laughs> are you are you defending Focus on the family? Focus on the family was good at one time. Okay, and so then you are. I'm just saying. <laughs> I have some issues with them, but yes. So anyway, cold-blooded docu-series. It's by the guy who did the Paradise Lost movies, so I'd check it out. Um, it was for Sundance TV, though, so it starts off a little weird, like because it has to it has to enter it has to get the viewers interested. So it kind of starts off like a History Channel series. Yeah. Um, I saw seventy-eight fifty-two Hitchcock shower scene, the documentary on the shower scene. And it's actually really good. Um, I thought it might be boring because I've seen so many stuff, things on Psycho in the past. What they do is actually they break down the scene in its individual parts and then discuss how on both a technical level it's a, a major feat, but also how it's culturally impactful. Um, and the whole documentary outside of archival footage is shot in black and white, which I thought was a nice little touch to it. 
but they talk like uh, with Elijah Wood, Eli Roth, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, and uh, uh, the editor of the Avengers. Like they, they talk to a lot of people. Danny Elfman. They talk a little bit about the Psycho remake, which I thought was interesting. Um, so yeah, it's good. I thought I'd, I think you should check it out. Uh, rewatch Mindhunter. Um, still great. Don't recommend watching it all at once because you'll feel depressed by the end of it. <laughs> um, saw the Night of Too Many Stars, the HBO John Stewart special. Which its biggest notoriety thing is that they cut out uh, Louis C.K. before it they went live because um, they like because of all the stuff that happened. Um, it's okay. It's I think because it was live, they had a lot of technical problems. Um, a very big one regarding uh, one of their guests. So, hmm. um, but it was okay. The best part was J.J. Uh, Abrams and um, uh, Rob Corddry um, auction off spoilers for their movies. So like J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams auctions off spoilers for star wars nine uh rob cordry auctions off spoilers for hot tub time machine three and then while they're whispering those spoilers gilbert godfrey comes out and auctions off the spoilers for sharknado five which had come out two months prior and he yells his spoilers to the entire audience and it's basically a rip on iron zurig and how he has regrets in his life so it's pretty fucking funny and there's also a bit where James Marsden talks about his inspiration for uh, uh, his acting in Westworld is that he hangs out at a Chuck E. Cheese and watches the robots perform. And like <laughs> he, he describes how each Chuck E. Cheese robot influences a different part of his performance, and it's, it's the thing America needs right now, guys. Um, and the last thing I watched, though, was um, Gilbert, the documentary on Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. Um, so I've seen a lot of documentaries this year, like mostly depressing and one of like a couple of them like about the show business era but again they're really dark this is one that's like it's uplifting but it's also like it doesn't let you off there without like putting you through some stuff it's it's actually a very raw honest film because i didn't know a lot about gilbert Gottfried outside of him as a performer and him as a podcaster and what you learn outside of the whole japanese tsunami scandal is like a lot about him as a person and I don't want to go too much into it, but the thing is, is like it's you wouldn't expect it from a person who's very abrasive on stage. Um, whether it was before, or after he started doing dirty, uh, dirty uh, words in his hum- in his act, um, and they talk a lot about like how he never expected to get married or have kids, and how the people around him noticed that he was like he's a very like I guess depressed or like kind of like introvert sad like just well like he i mean to give you an example like they said he was showing up to comedy specials um like in dirty clothes smelling bad and whatnot like he just he didn't really take good care of himself and whatnot he wasn't like a drug addict or an alcoholic or anything but it's just he was like depressed and whatnot and like had his own things regarding his family um it's as a movie about a performer i think it's one of the best that's come around in a while um, because it could easily be a fluff piece where it's just like, oh, look at me and how awesome I am. But they're not afraid to get down and very, very dirty regarding how like the tsunami thing affected his his opinion of himself and how did he fail his family when he gets fired from Aflac? Like, how does that affect his mindset and whatnot, which puts you in a seat of having to look at this from Gilbert's perspective because there was so many years of not hearing his side of the situation when he got fired from Affleck. Um, again, as Whoopi Goldberg says, not saying, no, we're not defending anything. We're just saying like, you know, yeah. there is a side to this that you're not understanding. And it's that Gilbert 
wouldn't harm a fly. Yeah. And we're and we're treating him like he's the devil. Yeah. So it's a it's a fascinating, wonderful watch. I highly recommend you check it out. Um, I I I think I might even put it in contention for Film Explosion at this point because cool. that was that good. You know, Film Explosion is happening in two weeks, so make sure you send us your favorite films of 2017. I'm sorry oh yeah. So. I'm gonna say you know what's an unsettling watch? Uh, Gilbert Gottfried on Saturday Night Live before he cultivated that like screaming voice character. Oh, like, his, his persona. Like when it's just him trying to tell jokes. As like the normal voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. Bobcat Goldthwait. You're like, oh, he does talk normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, but anyway, cool. that's all I watched this week. A lot, but cool. James, uh, not much. Um, I got a chance to catch up on a couple of things I well, sort of either missed or just wasn't here for. Uh, I watched Logan Lucky this last week, which I was just sitting here looking at pictures of because I don't remember it much. I kind of like just as watching it, like kind of just lost interest, and then like every now and then I would just I'd be like, wait, what? What's happening? Uh, anyway, but it was like funny. It was interesting. Like it, it looks like him, or Steven Soderbergh. I mean, sort of just playing in a a film that he already knows how to do. Like I, I don't know. It was just like oh, okay, Hill, yeah. Hillbilly Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, it was like Hillbilly Ocean's Eleven. Reminded me a lot of some stuff from from uh, the Lady Killers. Um, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's worth seeing. Um, I laughed. I thought Daniel Craig was funny. Um, but like. Everybody seemed kind of like a caricature to me. Like I never ended up really liking, or or I w- I would almost say I never even really believed, or never even really like believed anybody. Um, because, and it was sort of my fear going into the movie because of like they they show those characters in the trailer, the uh, the one who's like, oh, I know all about the, uh, all about computers. You know, I know the Facebooks and the Twitters, and like that line is such a dumb caricature of like. Like, here's this guy who could be so stupid, you know? Um, and sure enough, like, that's a lot of the characters is they say stuff that is just unbelievable in its look how hillbilly we are. Um, yeah, it caricature is the right word for it. And so as a result, I kind of just like, like oh, okay, here's... I mean, I find Seth MacFarlane supremely unfunny in that movie. Um, like, his character is so out of place and wrong that I just didn't, you know... Um, you say but, Seth MacFarlane? Yeah, Seth MacFarlane. Like Family Guy, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh did you not see it? I haven't seen it. I don't know. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, he, he plays yeah, this yeah. British guy. He plays well. Yeah, he plays a British race car driver. Like he plays a British NASCAR driver, and like so everything. And then he's got this terrible. I don't. Even, I don't know if it's a wig. It might actually be his hair, and it's just mm-hmm. done to- terribly. And, and then he's got this awful mustache, and he's. Not believe like his his Britishness isn't believable, and neither is the British race car driverishness. Like mm-hmm. like it's it's two different things going in opposite directions. Um, it's just bizarre. And, and it then really runs at much adversity. Like the plan just kind of yeah goes to plan. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so when they reveal like oh here the ultimate plan was X and they got away with well or, you know whatever sorry spoilers but that you're you're there because you know that most likely. Um, like when they reveal what's really happening in a very Ocean's Eleven kind of way, it's actually kind of underwhelming, bizarrely. Um, and uh, uh, what's her face? Um, shows up at the end. She plays the cop lady. Hilary Swank. Hilary Swank is terrible. Um, she's just fucking <laughs> terrible. She's just awful. Like I think her bizarre, low voice. I don't know what's going on here. Character is poorly portrayed and looks like a fake human being. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
Anyway. Hey, did you guys know it's Steven Spielberg's birthday? He's 71 yeah. today. What's mm-hmm. your favorite Spielberg movie? Uh, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Brad? Zach? Mm. 1941. Oh, you son of a bitch. Um, honestly, probably Saving Private Ryan. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Mine's Jaws. <laughs> Maybe Last Oh, that's Crusade. a good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Last Crusade, the better script. I'm going to double check. I'm yeah. Gonna, I got MDB on my brand new iPad, and I'm going to look up the whole catalog. Okay, yeah, we get it, Make Brad, sure I'm not missing something like You have hooked. your iWatch, <laughs> your iPad. We get it. You're sucking from the teat uh, of Apple. I Hold am going to move on. Is that a turtleneck spot on? <laughs> Uh, I also got a chance to see the Disaster Artist. Uh, a real Hollywood movie, all right. Ah, a real Hollywood movie. Did you like your time on Tommy's Planet? Um, I, I, yeah, I think it's really great. I, I definitely think if you know anything about the room, you should certainly see it. If you don't know anything about the room, I will tell you it's very entertaining for you because I took yeah. Brooks to go see it. And I've never seen it. And I saw it and I thought it was awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, she really liked it. Now, <laughs> she was like. I probably need about six months before we go see the room because when we saw it, uh, there was also a Q&A and then there was a live reading of the original script with Greg Sestero afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't get out of the theater till 11 and she was like, that's about as much of that I can take for a while. But eventually I definitely want to go see the room with an audience and like, you know. Um, but I, when the movie was over, she enjoyed the movie. But getting back to my opinion, um, I will say I think I probably set myself up for some failure just because, like, between the buzz and some of that, st- and, you know, just me imagining how good the movie could be, like, I was kind of hoping for a bit more of a dramatic payoff, and you know, in a very Ed Wood kind of way. Um, and so when the movie's over, like, it's a really fascinating story. Um, and I think there is a certain level of, of like, this friendship, you know, emotional story there. Um, but it's not as heart-wrenching or heartwarming uh, or even just touching as I had maybe hoped it was. I think it actually, it, it sort of ends on the wrong foot, especially because it, you know, near the end, you they, they sort of try to focus more on this relationship and this failure and, like, how this guy pushes through it and, like, and all of that. Um, but then they they immediately go into the bloopers and the, or not bloopers, but the side by side comparison stuff and all that. And it puts so much of the focus on the comedy that then you don't get to sort of sit in that last moment. I think they should have taken those This is a weird critique, but if they'd taken those and put them in the middle of the credits, I think the movie would actually be bizarrely better um, because you would have let that, those last few comments sort of breathe and let the movie have a more emotional weight to it instead of really immediately bringing people back to the comedy. Um, and, and unfortunately at the end of the day, uh, unlike Ed Wood, Tommy Rizzo is not as redeemable. Um, unfortunately, like, dead. Uh, nor is he, yes, nor is he dead. But I, if you've seen interviews with James Franco, I don't think James Franco really gives a shit what Tommy Rizzo thinks. Um, you know, I mean, he, he does to a certain extent, but he's also willing to make a movie where people call him a, you know, a Frankenstein vampire. Um, <laughs> to his face. Not villain, you villain. Yeah, and then like show it to more people than have ever seen the room. Uh, like you just took a guy who was bizarrely famous and made him actually famous by calling him a a Frankenstein vom- vampire. Um, you know, there's uh anyway. Um, it's just not. Yeah, I I think it's really good and I enjoyed it. I think it's worth seeing. Um, but it's you know as my favorite end credit scene four stars. Of the year. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, with yeah. Tommy and Tommy, Tommy. Capital go uh, away. His <laughs> his, per, his performance, I think, is amazing. His ability to do such a good Tommy Wiseau, 
uh, is pretty spectacular. And I will say the diner sequence is maybe one of my favorite sequences yeah, of the year. Yeah, it's great. Like that diner scene Which is one? so good. The the first one when he's he's trying one. to yeah the Shakespearean one when he's like that scene is what I wanted the movie to be. You know, I I wanted a real passionate movie about these two friends who made something terrible because one of them was a fucking crazy pants and then they ended up becoming like weird famous for it i was listening um, to how this get made because paul shears yeah in the movie and he's saying yeah. like they shot there's a ton of scenes that aren't in the movie and they're more about making the room yeah and in the edit they turned it into the like these two friends that like have each other's backs yeah uh, throughout so. well in his interview though when he was talking to the writers they said like the first thing they did was was basically focus on that 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 sort of friendship story uh, in trying to make the film. I thought it was hilarious though uh, on how did this get made, where they uh, James Franco realizes or, or talks about the fact that he didn't know about the podcast, so he realized after having cast all three of the hosts in the movie that he had cast all three of the hosts of how did this get made in that in the room. Um, which was just hilarious, uh, and they're all they're all great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, incredible movie, very uncomfortable at times. Um, bizarrely, the the sex scene in Disaster Artist is more uncomfortable than the sex scene in The Room, and there's actually like less asshole, um, which is bizarre. Oh, <laughs> yeah. he starts thrusting. Did you just see okay. my ass? And you show my, my ass, ass to sell this movie, Greg. Apparently, uh, James, James Franco didn't tell anyone he was going to come out with the cock sock. So <laughs> really? All his reactions are genuine. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Also, there's two things. In the, in the side-by-side comparison at the end, the disaster artist still always looks better. Like, they were never able to make... Like, it's always lit better. Like, you, they can't be bad enough to make it the room. Um, and... In any of the scenes where James Franco doesn't have a shirt on, you just immediately know, like, oh, he he also looks too good. <laughs> like, he doesn't look like somebody threw him. He doesn't look like what, um, uh, uh, oh, shit, now I can't remember his name for this story. He, lo- he doesn't look like he's been thrown through a kind of dull wood chipper before <laughs> being poured into a Edgar suit. Uh, like, <laughs> like Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. yeah uh, I just realized we we also saw a sneak preview of Best Friends. Yes, we did. So, which looks weird. Yeah, I'll see it. In I guess, two parts. Uh, I guess so, Greg Sestero is a mute. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Greg uh, Best Friends is their upcoming film where Greg Sestero, his family is either kidnapped or murdered by ninjas, and he stands on the side of the road with a, a sign saying "Need help, family kidnapped or murdered by ninjas." Um, and then I guess Tommy Wiseau plays a mortician who picks him up because he wants to help him and consistently calls him Ninja Man. I think the scene we saw was just one where, like, and maybe he's a mute the whole time, but I, I, uh, my my impression was just that he was still in shock because his family has been ninjaed. Um, Throwing stars and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. And then I, I It's think, shot a lot better than The Room. It is shot a lot, but it's not directed by Tommy Wiseau, so... Um, that might be part of it, but yeah, I don't know. I'll rent it. I'll see it at the Esquire when it's a midnight movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, when people throw forks at it. Did you? You guys saw the preview for Faithful Findings, right? Before you saw the design, because yeah. it was playing as part yeah. of the Alamo pre-show. We still got to do that episode. I know. Damn. I own that. Movie, oh yes, so yes, yes. I did. If you guys want to watch it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
have not watched it since it came in the mail. <laughs> I love how Rift Track says that, like the Faithful Findings guy, it's the one thing they don't know how to do in terms of a riff. Yeah, because it's that bizarre. <laughs> Uh, as far as I can remember, that's everything I got. Ryan, what do you what you see? Uh, I didn't see very much either. I've been watching a lot of Veep because it's so like the show is so brilliant. Oh, they, look who has HBO! Why don't you just rub it in her face <laughs> some more? Um, but uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus is really good in it. Uh, she plays Vice President Selena Selena Meyer, and it's funny because they always make a big deal out of stuff. Uh, so they're talking about pro choice and pro life. And you can't be too far on either side. So how big should the fetus be before it's okay to be aborted? <laughs> and so they have like these, this fruit laid out at each size of the fetus, and she has to pick. Oh. And I mean, it just—is this a fantasy fantasy show? Because like a female vice president, like, it is a fantasy. It's ridiculous. Um, a woman. <laughs> hey, and hey, my party tried, guys. At least we tried. Yeah, that's right. Um, Russia. And uh, so then there's uh, Jonah. He's like this white house liaison to the vice president. And so he, he, uh, he's just like the biggest douchebag and they call him, uh, like Jay boner. And it's just <laughs> so stupid. And Selena Meyer has the worst mouth. Uh, she uses the word fucktards in it. It's just a really funny show. And it just, it, and it's never like, they have like running plot lines, but each episode's like 35, uh, 32 minutes. But they really don't advance it, and it's always stupid, like, um, well, you, you can't pick, like, mint frozen yogurt. That's too, like, that's too vanilla. But, you know, you have to be kind of edgy to get the, like, urban vote. It's really stupid. And you're like, this is probably what they really do. Like, sit around and be like, you know, how many weeks is too much for an abortion? And, um, you know, she, she'll always, like, slip up and say, oh, God, I can't remember. It's just so much goes on, in it, and it's so dense. And it's uh, really funny. Uh, Tony Hale from Arrested Development plays her bag man, where he always carries her bag around, and he's really great in it. Um, I, you should definitely check it out. It's really funny if you have the uh, opportunity to. I watched a, a movie called Slaughter High, which is uh, a Vestron series uh, Blu-ray. <laughs> and, um, the sequel to Sky High? I wish. <laughs> um, and the movie's pretty garbage. It's a, it's a slasher film set in a high school, and so... The film opens with them in the high school and the kids teasing this other kid and they all look like they're 40. And uh, and so they're teasing this kid named Marty and he ends up like having a science experiment blow up in his face. He and turns then, into Ernest Parkman? Uh, almost. <laughs> um, but uh, so they're invited to their 10 year high school reunion at the high school that's been condemned. Of course they have. And so. <laughs> I mean, slasher movies are stupid anyways, but this, like, takes the cake. So there's a part where this dude drinks a beer that has acid in it and his guts explode. <laughs> and so the one of the girls who gets blood on her goes and takes a bath in, like, the shitty bathroom. Like, where's a bathtub in a high school? One. And so she's, like, <laughs> she's like washing the blood off of her. And then she turns on the water again. And acid comes out of, the like, the faucet. <laughs> and instead of getting out of the bathtub, she just sits there and screams, like, ah! I mean, the effects are pretty cool because her skin melts away. But I'm like, man, this is dumb. And uh, <laughs> it's so bad, though, where it like kind of has redeeming qualities where it's like, oh, the gore is really cool. Yeah. Um, and, and then I was watching it and the part where the like the last heroine or the final girl is running. I'm like, God damn, this is a long thing. She keeps on running in hallways and 
it just seems like really dragged out. And I was like, oh, whatever. It's the Aaron Sorkin of horror films. Yeah. So I'm watching the special features of one of the directors, directed by three people. Weird, right? And so I'm watching the <laughs> At special- once or in yeah. sequence? Uh, it says- fired. You're fired. fired. <laughs> it says written and directed by, and it's like three dudes. And so I'm, I'm watching the interview with one of them. And he says, yeah, when we turned in the movie, we realized it was only uh, 72 minutes. So we had to- pad it and they padded it by having her run through the hallways I'm for like, 20 minutes for uh like eight so it wow. ended up being like 80 minutes i was like oh that's why it seemed long because they literally had to make the movie longer um guys i'm going to theatrically release twombly but in order to pad it out <laughs> yeah, we went almost minutes. a whole fucking month without hearing about twombly no just i'm going to pad it out with 70 minutes of ryan running down Do the it. hallway Do it. <laughs> but no it's so i mean the movie if you like cheesy 80s stuff it's it's not great, but so it was made in the eighties. Oh yeah, okay. I cool. think it was made in eighty three. Didn't come out till eighty six, because the kid who played Marty killed himself. I think like three days after production ended. Oh shit! So oh, they didn't know like how to release it because he's the killer in it, and so it was kind of weird. Um, was it like it was a theatrical release? Yeah. Or? Wow. And the music's done by Harry Manfredini, who did Friday the Thirteenth, and he just rips off his own Friday the Thirteenth score, and it. it's pretty not remarkable. You're like, oh. That means that she she spends as much time running in the hallway, or almost as much time running in the hallway, as Tommy Wiseau sp- spends having sex with a woman's sternum. Yep. Pretty that, much. That's a long time. It's the room of its time. <laughs> it's the, yeah. And uh, the last thing I watched this week is The Babysitter. It's uh, McGee's new movie on Netflix. Ooh, McGee. Um, it's actually more fun. I remember Brad talking about it. It's more fun than I thought it would be. Yeah. And I'm watching, like, you know, McGee is actually kind of a fun director. Oh, this is the one where they end up, like, the, the babysitters end up being, like, in a cult and they want to yeah. sacrifice. Oh, cool. And so, like, the kid's really funny in it. Um, like, there's a part, so he sees uh, them uh, do the sorry, satanic stuff, and then uh, he tries to escape, but they take his blood, so he passes out, and he wakes up, and they're all downstairs, and the, his babysitter, who's this really hot chick, is like, what did you see? He's like, hang on, hang on. Why does he not have a shirt on? And, like, the really buff dude isn't wearing his shirt. Yeah, the main jock. <laughs> the main jock. And they keep on talking, and he keeps on, and then it comes right back, like, five minutes later. He's like, yeah, but you still didn't tell me why he doesn't wear a shirt. And mm. you don't know why he doesn't wear a shirt. It's really I'm funny. I have to watch that. You it's should, kind of it's, like fun I, of like horror tropes. Which yeah. Is nice. <laughs> it, it was a, a lot better than I thought it would be. Cool. Um, I mean, it was fun. I, I had a lot of fun watching it. I've, I've always wished that McGee would change his name so I wouldn't feel so bad defending him as often as I do. I know. It's weird. Like, I think he he's it. really good. No, it's, it's a fun movie. It actually it reminded me a lot of Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Uh, some of the shots where it'd be like the camera would stop and it'd say, um, like it have little text below it. I forget what mm-hmm. some of the text, the Chiron stats and whatnot. Uh, yeah. So they did like uh, your six people to like on the sci-fi like um, movie. I forget like the game he was playing. Oh, and he, uh, they had to get off a in like a zombie land. It's way? like a desert yeah. island. Like, yeah, a desert six, island thing. Yeah, and so he would say stuff, and then it'd have like trading cards next to him, like the predator, and so it was pretty cool. Oh, okay, cool. It was really creative. I, I yeah, was actually not, shocked by how good it was. I have to watch that. Not great, but not like bad. Yeah. I mean, I was it was only an hour and twenty five minutes, so I was entertained the whole time. Yeah, cool. And yeah, so that's why I watched this week. We have uh, fan mail this week, actually. What? Yeah, Corinne called in. Well, but I thought we have to play it after we do the Star Wars stuff. Oh, is it about Star Wars? It is. Yeah, she we sent us wait. a non spoiler review and a spoiler review. So I guess yeah, we will lump it in with. This well, maybe week's stuff. maybe she can maybe she can. Uh, um, bookend the trailer. Yeah, actually, didn't we get something from Henry too? Oh yeah, we did get uh, we did get an art house asshole, so, and that's uh, 
Henry's our house asshole. I don't have my phone on me, so I forget what it is. <laughs> yeah, let me try and find it here. It's Tom something. Tom of Finland. Yep, here it is. Hey, Nerd and Center, giving you an update on our house asshole. Uh, I'm a little congested right now, so if I sound a little weird, that's why. Uh, this week's uh, article is on Tom of Finland, which is the new Finnish film. It is Finland's uh, submission for best foreign film. Uh, it is super gay, so it's right up my alley. Uh, it is the true story of Tom of Finland, who is a very famous uh, gay homoerotic artist who did a lot of fetish work. Uh, and how most of his work was illegal in Finland for a while, and how he had to kind of sell his work kind of uh, in international waters and that kind of thing. Uh, uh, but anyway, Carl kills his whole life. Uh, it's very much sort of the standard kind of full-life biopic that you would see anywhere else. Uh, it's It definitely has its problems, pacing-wise and tonally-wise. Uh, but I think if, if you know who Tom of Finland is, uh, you would like it. If you don't know who Tom of Finland is, I don't know if you would connect with it as much, uh, and I think it might be worth might not be worth checking out, especially if it doesn't get nominated for an Academy Award. Right? I'm not predicting it will. So, but anyway, that's this week's article. Uh, I know that you guys are seeing Star Wars, and you probably don't want to hear about some super gay film. So, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Uh, hope you guys like Star Wars, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. See, you call him out, Brad, and he know, puts it up back to back. Spark under his ass. Yep. Good job, Henry. Another movie I'll never see. So hopefully we'll see him at Film Explosion. Yeah. Yeah. Should be fun. That'll be ten completely different trailers. And if anyone wants to make the Film Explosion this year six to seven hours long, please join us and yeah. give us <laughs> be on the show and give us your ten yeah. in real time. Mom, this is your chance. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome if you get your mom on. That'd be funny. <laughs> she needs to send in a list. Last year she wanted to or no, for for like uh ninety six. She did. She really sent in one to. last year though, didn't she? Hers was, Maybe, was fun. I think so, yeah. Yes, she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think we could get Sylvester Stallone to do his top ten, Ryan? You know, definitely. uh, I mean, I wasn't in any movies this year, but you know. What did you think uh, of Baby Driver? Pick one. I mean, I had to be killing Gunther with you know, (laughs) you know, my good friend uh, Arnold. I mean, you know, you could you could fill ten movies with uh, Rocky One, Rocky (laughs) Two, Rocky Three, uh, Rocky Four. You keep on saying you know. I wonder how Rocky long the Balboa, gap will be between four and five when, when Rambo. <laughs> They're all good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't forget, stop or my mom will shoot, you know. Brian um, Stone Cowboy. A lot of people made fun of it, you know. But um, has that lady from Golden Girls, you know. Um, uh, also, speaking of film explosion this year, um, I don't know if uh, you guys, we're going to try and film it this year. Okay. To create some YouTube content. So Cool. But it won't be a six-hour affair to watch. <laughs> cool. I'll uh, so look forward to that. I'll make sure I wear something stupid. Yeah. Live. Get dressed up, guys. Look good. Uh, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we win uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Zach, should people take a flight on the Millennium Falcon? Yep, I think you should. This is a really good movie, and we'll talk a little bit more about it later. Brad? Um, so I've seen this movie twice already. <laughs> the first time... I was ready to go to the review and say, um, I'm surprised I don't like this movie. And then I saw it a second time and I stopped watching the movie that I wanted to see and just watched the movie that they gave me. And it's fantastic. So uh, definitely you, go see you it. change your letterbox score. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't got there yet. Oh, uh, it's, it'll, be, it'll, it. it'll bump up a star. I mean, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it a three initially, but now it's going to get four. So. James. Yeah. Um, I similarly actually had like, 
I had some problems with it the first time, but like, you know, was able to get around them and make excuses for them. And then by the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, actually, there's a lot of like awesome stuff here. And the things that bothered me the first time, either I either I realized didn't matter or actually enjoyed as, as part of the overall story. I, I'm really glad I get to see it twice. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I think people should see it. I will also say that I have a new favorite, uh, hobby, which is going to be reading the half star reviews of this movie on, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. This is one of the most fun things I've ever seen. This is the exact opposite of second opinions. Um, <laughs> like it's just the dumbest shit I could ever hear come out of somebody's mouth about a film. Do you, get, do you have um, a good example ready to go? Uh, so disappoint. No, I, do, I don't have an amazing one, but there is there there. All of them are the same. Where it's, hey, how come my theory wasn't right? Yeah, they're all so that. Egotistical. They're all that theme. Um, I there's right? a great article on the Hollywood Reporter about that. Um, mm-hmm. anyways, uh, I'm gonna tell you why that's wrong. So yeah, so, not the article, but yes, yeah. Uh, no, I think this is one of the coolest movies I've seen this year. Uh, I'll get into more spoilers. I think because it does play with your expectations. Yep. And it basically spits in the face of what you expect from something. And it's telling a story that Ryan Johnson wanted to tell. I, I, I'm going to just say this. I think spits in the face implies a negative uh, um, like motivation. It's, it's more he wants to give you a great story that you didn't see coming. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's, that, it's and I think that's a good thing. No, that's what I mean. That's you know, It's, it's a Ryan Johnson movie. It's not... Right. It's not... Someone it's not else a, says it's not. It's a not Star a J.J. Abrams movie. movie. It's, it's very Abrams. much not a J.J. Abrams movie. It, he told the story he wanted to tell, and yeah. that's what I mean. So it's cool. I feel uh, like it evolved in a way that Star Wars needed to evolve. Mm-hmm. Here's here's the trailer for the Last Jedi. When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power, and beyond that. Something inside me has always been there. But now it's awake. And I need help. strength only once before it didn't scare me enough then it does now let the past die kill it if you have to that's the only way to become what you were meant to be
someone. To show me my place in all this. Hey, Letterboxd, get a iPad app. <laughs> get on it. They have an Apple app. Uh, here's here's uh, Corinne talking about Star Wars real fast, too. Yeah. Hey, nerds. It's Corinne. I just wanted to call in and give my spoiler-free thoughts about Star Wars. Um, I would recommend that people see the show. I understand it's been kind of divisive among the fans that some people have received it well and others have not. Um, I really enjoyed the movie. I saw it twice on a few day. And I honestly kind of liked it a little bit better the second time, mostly because um, I kind of knew what to look out for. Um, and um, just, you know, I think it, it just kind of helped me to process it because a lot happened. This movie just moves really fast, and there's kind of a lot to take in. So I can understand why some people's preliminary reactions were that they did not like it because um, there is a lot going on. Um, I felt like the second act was really, really tight and really um, charged, but I don't know. I felt like the, by the third act, it um, kind of dragged a little bit because that second act was just so climactic, and um, <laughs> spoiler-free, um, I, eh, I I definitely think that the ending will, will be, would be controversial, so I can see why people didn't really appreciate it. Um, but I will call you guys back with um, some spoilery thoughts. Thanks. Hey, nerds. It's Corinne. So these are my spoiler-filled um, comments about the Star Wars movie. So play these um, after you've played the trailer. Um, but I really, really enjoyed the budding romantic connection between Kylo and Rey. I saw it in The Force Awakens, and I was a big fan of it. And I've been following this um, this pairing for the last two years, so to see it um, kind of come more into fruition was uh, really, really exciting, and I'm really excited to see. Um, I think in the next movie, they're going to find a compromise, and they're going to be, like, gray Jedi together, that they're not going to be, like, strict Jedi like Luke was, but they're not going to be Sith either. They're going to be something kind of in between and explore, like, that balance of the Force, you know, between light and dark, good and evil. Um, peace and violence, you know, all those kind of um, binary things that um, Luke was talking about um, earlier in the movie. And um, um, I thought it dragged in parts of it, like the subplot with Rose and Finn, like parts of it I liked, but like when they did the whole chase scene with the weird horse things, I was it, that kind of dragged for me a little bit. I kind of liked Benicio Del Toro's character in in a way. I saw a lot of the Star Wars The Clone Wars series in, like, vibe in that, um, in that character. You know, this kind of this rogue, um, person who, you know, is just kind of the everyday person sort of thing, where it's like, they're not First Order or Empire, they're not Rebellion or Resistance, like, they're just kind of doing their own thing, and their allegiance is to the highest bidder, and there's a lot of characters like that in the Clone Wars series and Rebels. Um, what else? <laughs> so many thoughts. Um, I didn't mind that Luke died, quote unquote, at the end. I think he's going to come back as a Force ghost, uh, especially since Carrie died um, in real life. Um, 
I have so many thoughts, and of course they all fly out of my head when I'm trying to think of them. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, there were parts of it that I had problems with, but they, but the, on the on the whole, I really really liked this movie, and I'm really excited for episode nine. Um, yeah, so thanks again for uh, sharing my voicemails, and I hope to see you guys again soon. Bye. Brad, you don't have to be mean to my kid all the time. He's I was being mean. I was just making a joke that he like laughed at Corinne's review. Yeah, you know, he's, <laughs> he's a being kid. all serious, and he's—is he okay? Uh, uh, probably. Yeah, <laughs> he's pretty indestructible. Are you okay, buddy? Oh, okay, good. Um, so I can elaborate now that we've played the trailer. So. There's an interesting article on the Hollywood Reporter, and so many people are neg- are mad at it. Uh, what you just pointed out beforehand is they expected it to go one way, <laughs> and I think it's so important as a filmmaker and any filmmakers listening out there, and other filmmakers will say this: tell the story you want to tell. Yep. Because in, in the end, it'll be a better product. Yep. I, I would say it differently, which is that what this movie points You're out. Wrong. It, no, no, hold I'm on. Just kidding. <laughs> what this movie points out is that all the questions and and like. You know, stuff that people have been talking about for the last two years about, like, what about this? What's going to happen with this? All the things they were talking about were all the things that don't actually matter. And he took he took all those things, and you could say shat on them, or or I would like to say uses them to tell a better story and actually evolve the characters. Um, uh, you know, it, it's maybe something that, you know, my, my guess for Ray, and if we haven't already been clear enough, we're going to start spoiling things. Like, my guess for who Ray's parents were, my guess wasn't right, because I assumed it was going to be something important, but I actually kind of got what I wanted, which was that it wasn't really important, you know? Um, He he redeems so much of the universe in my mind. What's so cool about this film, too, is it starts off in a totally different tone. I mean, it's, yeah, all Star Wars start with some space battle, but... uh, Poe comes out and he says, you know, he wants to talk to uh, General Hux, right? And yeah. he, he said, okay, I'll wait for him. And he does this huge, like, scene chewing. He's like, I will destroy you. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll just go ahead and wait. Uh, I'll, we can patch me through anytime. Yeah. You are talking. And it's just really funny. It, yeah, it's, of- them, it's him them trying to sort of recreate the beginning of the last movie and, like, yeah. really, you know... Um, that was another weird complaint. Put you some on people edge. said that the humor was misplaced. Mm. I, I don't know what the fuck that's about. The first time I watched it, there are jokes that I didn't laugh at that then I laughed at the second time. Again, it it is a it's this thing that I do, and clearly Brad does too. Of the first time I watched the movie, I'm I'm running down all these paths and trying to figure out how they're going to fuck it up, um, and that tends to get in my <laughs> own way. I, I you know I've talked about this in the past when I talk about like the Star Trek movies or anything like this where there's a lot of sort of fan interest you know mm-hmm. um and in this case i think it similar actually to like a star trek into darkness like i think there's things here that that maybe put fans on edge but they don't realize is actually the medicine like there's really great stuff here that is really good for the franchise and good for the movie mm-hmm. that if you would just let yourself enjoy the thing and experience something different mm-hmm. rather like the real than, nerds, than nerds motto that we had six years ago right like <laughs> if, if you would sort of be open-minded about this and let yourself have some wonder one of the things i actually love about this movie is and the first time you watch it it can be a little uncomfortable there's a lot of Jedi force powers in this movie we've never seen before or talked about and those are so bizarre and difficult for you because you feel like you understand all the rules of this universe because you've you've grown up inside of Star Wars and you've played all the video games that 
that this is a universe that until now was in a box. And I don't think I realized that until this movie said, well, no, what if Jedi can do this? And what if the Force allows you to do that? And what if the limitations of the Force are different than we thought or, or its purpose was different than we thought? And that actually gives me something that I didn't know I wanted so badly, which was this sense of wonder and surprise in a universe that I really just wanted to watch like some cool battles scenes happen in. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it feels like the, the, the negativity that's been surrounding this is just a sea of more aggressive Garth Algars who keep saying we fear change in different ways. I just I, I don't understand like like one of my one of my friends said like I didn't I, I, I don't hate the movie but I I wasn't extremely happy with the things they did and I and I I responded with the best thing that I could what I thought was the best thing I could which is isn't it interesting to note that Star Wars in different periods in its different release patterns has represented a different message for the time that it's being released in or at least tried to like it like it it ha- it serves its own purpose like i'm not saying like what happens at the end of this film is like the best thing for star wars because i'm not a star wars writer that's not my job my job is just to enjoy the movie if you're going to get angry about a fan theory that didn't go your way then boohoo go write your own sci-fi movie no, i think it i think it went the way it had to go because exactly. i think um where i i i love the force awakens i mm-hmm. mean it was my number one movie 2 years ago but what what the Ryan Johnson and uh, his writing partner did is you you you're given this thing it ends right with you know Ray handing Luke the lightsaber mm-hmm. and then goes right to Kami Luke takes the lightsaber and just throws it over his shoulder I love that moment. and it's because yeah. you know that it builds up to something and right then and there I'm like oh this movie's not going to go how people think it's going to go yeah I I was on board right there because yeah. I'm like oh nope. No, and it's because everyone was expecting him to say something. Yep, like you expected there was going to be some powerful statement. And he basically just said, "Fuck you, I'm not doing it." Yeah, and which is more powerful than it could exactly. And you know, you get to see uh, Leia able to use the Force powers where you always heard she was, you know, powerful. I know Brad looks like he didn't like it, but well, even after second viewing, like the way it's portrayed in the film, it does seem kind of goofy. Like the the framing of the shot and the animation it still seems silly but like it makes sense like it's something that you know we've always heard she has and she's old now she must in the 30 years that she found out that she was luke's sister that she should have been able to like test out her powers so i was realizing i was thinking about it on the way over here i think it's an editing thing i think that if that shot came before kylo ren before all the shots of like kylo ren and back with hux and all that if there wasn't so much time of her in space, it would actually feel a little bit. Be- it would feel more seamless. You feel by the time you kept back to her, you think she's been out there for so long that then it almost you're like, wow, what is happening? And you I know? also wonder how it would have played if we had not seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two before it, because specifically because of the Mary Poppins thing, or just because of the also flying through space thing. Well, the being frozen and yeah, waking up <laughs> through space, but like. Because that's a comedy, so we've yeah. already like registered in our brains that like this is silly. Yeah. And now they're trying to do it as a serious thing, but I've, I've it's been imprinted in me that what are you looking at? Oh, I, no, I'm going to read this whole thing. I'm going to read this whole thing. Don't worry. Um, Sorry, he's he's seeing one of my half star ones, and and I'm so excited <laughs> to read this top ten list of reasons um, why this say, movie's bad. Speaking of editing, though, um, the uh, editor of this movie, um, I don't know if you looked at his IMDb credits, but no. uh, he's the editor of Looper. 
Oh. But the rest of his list is not so. Aw. It's like Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, Turtles, Out of the Shadows. Um, so I do well, action. Hey, but none of those movies are necessarily bad because of their editing. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> And by none of, I mean you said two of them. <laughs> um, I don't have it up, so I, I look at it again. Like, not like obviously you can grow as an editor, like oh, you yeah. work on stuff. But I yeah. just thought it was surprising. Like, it, I didn't really think about the editing until I actually looked at the credits because yeah. Force Awakens it was two women um, together putting well, that movie together. One of my things that I very early on was sort of warning people about, and and felt like was actually the biggest, most viable problem with this film was. The early section of the film, I, I would say almost the entire first act, is at least the first time you see it, kind of slow. It's a lot of build up, it's a lot of setting up characters again. And part of that is actually JJ Abrams' fault. If you really think back, like and this is what I've what I've told a lot of people, is like if you look back at the end of Force Awakens, he leaves these characters in dramatically different places. He kind of just drops a few storylines. Um, you have a character in a coma. You have a character on another planet. And if if JJ had made the sequel, I guarantee you that it would be dramatically different. You would have gotten Luke and Ray off of that planet a lot earlier, and you would have had the action scene every ten pages and and all of that. Wait, Luke got off the planet? Uh, well, no, I, I don't mean a lot. Of, I mean <laughs> like, I mean there would have been like a scene kidding. or two on that planet. Yeah, yeah. And she no, would have. Had a really good argument and gotten him off the planet. And right, that's like, why I don't think I'm overseeing. I think this is the most important Star Wars movie. I, yeah, I think because it's Because you're tearing down what was set up. Tearing yeah. down or burning down? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I mean, because yeah. you... And, and people getting mad because they want uh, Snook to be some great villain. Okay, hey, can I, I read do. this top ten list of terrible things about yeah. this movie? Really quickly. Do I really want another guy going, Unlimited power! Not so quickly, <laughs> though. I do want to, like... I do still want to know some of. Kellen, it's okay. Yeah, okay, very true. Buddy. Okay, he made his point. Oh, I think he's wondering about. The he's looking for Jedi ghosts in the backyard. Mm. Um, uh, Snoke, like, it's it's still confusing that somehow in the middle of uh, Luke's training of Kylo, that like Snoke was able to like, did Ben have like weekends off? And he traveled around the galaxy and met Snoke. Like, I, how did I don't find that confusing? I think that I think that Snoke him? was looking for someone he could seduce and knew knew that Skywalker was out there and and was doing exactly what he does with Ray and and Snoke, where or Ray and and Kylo, and is like communicating him at a dis communicating with him at a distant and and putting little seeds of doubt and little problems in his mind in order to turn him slightly. But he's also like this villain who seems more powerful than Emperor Palpatine. It's like. Where was that guy the whole time? Like, how did he not... Like, when the second Death Star blew up, where was he at to, like, come in and, like, use his immense powers to... And you you might get a book about him at some point that goes into those details. That's not actually important to the story of Kylo Ren and Rey, though. Right? Like, I think that's sort of Ryan Johnson's point here is, like, if I'm telling... If my main characters are these characters, the more interesting story is them and... And spending a lot of time on a backstory of a villain who honestly, even in the last one, was a, like, as you've said, sort of a faceless villain. I mean, he has a face, but he also kind of doesn't because he's CG. Um, like, he's not actually that interesting. Kylo can be really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think it becomes interesting. Why, because it, so far it just seems like, oh, well, Kylo Ren's bad because he's just inherently 
not a good person like they don't really show like was there something that han did that drove him away or was like luke's training too hard well i mean if you think what did what happened to anakin that was so bad yeah i mean i, I was gonna say before before well, the prequels made and he hates sand but before the prequels, <laughs> before the prequels were made who was um who was the emperor and why do we like why is darth vader so bad now like we didn't need those answers back then i i don't understand quite why we need everything tied up now um you know like to me i i just don't i will i'm willing to take him as this evil villain especially now where he's only there to kind of get us started and then his death becomes the creation of a much better and more interesting villain <laughs> who, so who I, isn't necessarily about killing everybody but is actually about kind of destroying all the all of this history that we that we feel is important just because it's in the movies um, yeah um, and I, I think that's too where it's it's such a I think Kylo Ren becomes way more fascinating in this one because when Snook chastises him, like take off that helmet and he makes a choice to destroy the helmet and then he also has a choice to kill his mom and he doesn't um, but when he kills Snook and it has uh, that scene with Ray and like oh here it is they're going to team up and take it down you found out the only thing holding Kylo back was the supreme leader it wasn't his dad it wasn't his mom it was trying to please him trying to please him and when, well, with him gone now he has nothing to stop him from being who he wants to be and I think that he realizes in this movie the same way we do that that Snoke doesn't respect him isn't really trying to make him great and no. and is using and abusing him in these weird ways where he kind of sees the opportunity and goes like okay I'm kind of I'm kind of done and which is like also Anakin the normal Sith Revenge of the Sith you don't understand my power uh, yeah right. <laughs> or like the song Jane got a gun one day Jane yeah. got fed up with her father and bam but that's I, a good example though Ryan of why anyone who thinks that this movie is worse than the prequels is so wrong because well, even that that line of dialogue is worse than anything I mean, in these movies you don't movies. need that line of, because I mean you don't need it you just know it you yeah. know what I mean and I I think Ray is awesome in this movie. I love I love her arc uh where she tries to redeem him, but it's it, he is yeah. He is irredeemable. He is. Yeah. Because he killed his dad. And like I said, you get rid of the supreme leader and that's all that was inhibiting him from being who he wants to be. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know that he's irredeemable, but um I you would have to work really hard. Yeah, I, I I don't know that JJ J. Abrams can do it, but someone else maybe could um i feel like this evolves beyond and appropriately like becomes what it needs to become because like those those first six films like whether you like them or whether you like the prequels or not regardless they're heavily as a structure based around that joseph campbell mythology yeah like those those archetypes and what i like about this film is that it while on while recognizing they exist realizing that mythologies change over time depending on what's going on at the time like nothing nothing is as consistent as you want it to be and honestly if you're going to make a star wars like movie every year for the next 20 years you have to justify its existence and keep doing the same thing if you're going to lose interest you're going to lose yeah. you're going to lose your audience i understand why they allowed Johnson to tell the story they wanted to tell him. Like I heard people saying like Disney should be ashamed. It's like no, they have nothing to ashamed of being a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That- like 
I, so I also are you think upset that they challenged your fucking mind. I'm sorry, but you're simpleton. Go fuck I, yourself. Right. I also think that for everything on this in this movie that is slightly uncomfortable or slightly weird, which I would say there's probably a dozen things like that. Like I will say, I think that the the horse race escape is three to four shots too long, I and agree. it's a you little know? on the nose with what it's saying. It also felt sure. really prequely. I mean, at it first does. when I saw the racetrack, I was like, oh Just my god, are they going to bring back pod racing? That's awesome. <laughs> it's also it's also like the only. Uh, it's like super CG part of the yeah, movie. I was hoping it'd be like um, Tauntauns too. I mean, it's just the yeah. goofball yeah. in me. Um, I yeah, I actually I like the creature. I just that the the chasing itself runs. I think that whole three to four shots plot too long. on that the casino was a little dragged out. Yeah, I well, mean, I think Benicio del Toro's the, character plays a big part, and I yeah. actually love his arc too. Um, I and, love the and ideas. The, of the whole scene. Yeah, I love the ideas of that sequence. The whole this thing that it's set up as Mos Eisley. And so you think, like, oh, we're going to go to Mos Eisley. And then he takes the Mos Eisley scene and turns it on its head and says, like, no, what if the Wolfman was the fucking richest man on the in the uh, galaxy yeah. because he sells guns to both sides, right? Like, starting to really make the universe pretty messy and gross <laughs> is kind of cool. And also start um, to explain, like, why are, like, why are they, like, why are people at war? Like, what's the actual... Right. Yeah, Re- like, rebellion versus the empire. Like, what's the empire doing to people? That's yes. Oh, yeah. agreed. Yeah, and so. setting up. I mean, setting up that last scene. That I think that last scene is. I, this movie could be worse and still be great because I think that last scene is such a powerful thing. Uh, but we'll get there. Um, um, I will but, say, like, I I love that he um, that Mark Hamill in the first like as Luke within the first I think forty five minutes makes an argument that I've kind of like had in the back of my head as far back as Revenge of the Sith, which yep. is the Jedi aren't really the best people in the world, guys. Yeah, like, they kind of as, a, as, a, as an organization. Yeah. Like, the ideas of the Force. Like, that, that scene is great where he's, like, saying, can, can you feel the Force? And it's just he's holding out a little leaf. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and where, I mean, it goes to a, a another step, which is if the Force is about balance, then the existence of Jedi creates the existence of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And so if the Ooh. Jedi stop, maybe you stop having the dark side, too. Right and and it, that the the force is not a thing owned by the Jedi. Like those are so such huge, like honestly catastrophic to the old canon ideas. Um, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. But it's th- like Space Miyagi too with him. Yeah, like sorry. because he's pointing out these things. I just want to finish the thought I was making earlier. For for every kind of crummy thing that's in this movie or thing that might be uncomfortable for you the first time you see it, there are two or three amazing things for every one of the first right you've got you've got the the hyperspace shot which and just that idea is so fucking cool everything yeah everything about ray and and kylo's story and their relationship in this movie i think is really interesting and neat i think the death of snoke is fucking badass the whole fight scene with the imperial guards is one of the most interesting fight scenes we've seen in a while Mm -hmm. just because it's not a dance Ray's not very good, and sometimes she's just swinging a lightsaber around to keep you away from it's her. Scrappy battle. Uh, like there's, I can I can continue to go on with how many times I'm like, this movie's amazing. When the third act happens and the and the dominoes start to fall, <laughs> every single one of them is an awesome moment that you will not forget. Like it's so cool. Can I talk about my favorite domino that fell? Sure. So there's okay. a scene. Where a wonderful, wonderful character that I've been missing for a while comes back. Yes, and that's the time where I almost cry. Glory decides to burn the motherfucker to the yeah. ground. I love the yeah. fact that whether the I don't know if that's a live action puppet with like it's the visual puppet. effects. To, 
Okay. Because Frank Oz would have operated, otherwise he wouldn't have come back. Well, he, come back well, he came back to do the voices of the other ones. So you're he not, also said you're he not wouldn't right. come back after that experience. But if it's yeah. actually a CGI version of the puppet, it's still great because it looks yes. like the puppet. So kudos to whoever did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say <laughs> my actually, it's not even the puppet that I love. Uh, it's that either one of the two things is right. Either Ryan Johnson knows how to write Yoda dialogue or Ryan Johnson did the right thing and just wrote the dialogue and let Frank Oz change it. Because unlike in the prequels, Yoda sounds like Yoda here. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's, He's fun again, and he's not just a senile, weird, like, lizard guy. He's actually intelligent and wise, and while, yes, he's making jokes and laughing and saying, you know, things that are kind of silly sometimes, the things he says have such weight and meaning that they, they actually have an impact on the, on the story, even though yeah. he only talks to one character. And like, it reminded it, me of, like, his, uh, his existence in Empire and Return of the Jedi in the regards of, like, it made me see his character differently in those films because mm-hmm. in Empire and Jedi, he's trying to tell Luke very specific things. Don't do this. Learn from our mistakes. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. He's not necessarily saying what he ends up saying in Last Jedi. But what I like about it is like it makes me see the characters like even in the afterlife, he's still developing this whole thing of like, well, this whole system is flawed anyway because look how easily it crumbled and then... Yeah, you know, don't 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 expect things to be reset it to its former glory just because you do this with Vader or destroy Palpatine or whatever. Like, there's stuff within the dialogue from those original films that like comes back here in its own way. And like when when he when he says what he says to Luke, like I, I've missed you, like just like this idea of like Yoda has an arc even from the prequels to now where it's like the in the same acceptance that Luke has Yoda accepts that it's 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 never going to be what it was because it really never should have been what it was um and that's why he, I, I'm glad it's him who burns it down and not Luke because I, it, it 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 gives Yoda a sense of responsibility that he needed to shoulder even in the force ghost life and I I think that honestly his message that the failures of a teacher are some of the most powerful ways that a student learns a lesson mm-hmm. and that, that 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 your redemption as as somebody who has failed part of your redemption in that is sharing that with other people so that they can succeed that is one of the most powerful if not the most powerful lesson or idea that has been in a Star Wars movie and it is delivered so well and so subtly mm-hmm. in a memorable way i, I just don't understand like, I don't understand how some how how people don't see that and how they spend so much time worrying about who the fuck Snoke is. Not not you, Brad, obviously. <laughs> like, uh, but but or or being mad about Ray's parents that you've missed the gold. Like, you found the pyrite and you're mad about your pyrite and you're missing that there's just gold everywhere here. It's funny. There's an interview with Ryan Johnson and he's talking about Ray's parents and how Kylo says, you know, they're nobodies. <laughs> They're dead and you know it. And uh, he says, I don't know what they're going to do with it. <laughs> it's right. not up to me. I don't care. Yeah. I hope they don't screw yeah. with that because it's, it's, it's so beautiful because it also redeems this idea. It, it brings back the idea that anyone can be a Jedi. Uh, again, as done by – actually, Ryan Johnson kind of paints whoever takes this on or you know, paints J.J. Abrams into a corner, especially with that last scene with the kid because you can't go back to midi-chlorians. He has made that idea so obsolete and, and you know, like – 
if they've gone and killed all the Jedi, this idea that the Force can just kind of grow up in the universe naturally um, kind of frees everybody who's a kid again to be like, oh, man, I want to have the Force. Like, it's a beautiful idea once again. And I heard anger over that scene, too, and it's like, so you didn't like midichlorians, but you don't like this either. What the fuck do you want? <laughs> Make up um, your mind. Yeah. It's a kid's movie. <laughs> On that note, can I read these ten... T- really dumb things that yeah, are wrong tell with Yeah, tell us what's wrong with Do it like David Jedi. Letterman. <laughs> okay, so this is, this is just a small section of a half-star review. Luke is not Luke in the genuine trilogy, period. This one is fake, uh, which I don't fully understand. Uh, too much pointless drama? <laughs> totally scrapable subplots. Uh, you'd save your time watching this crap. Useless characters. Independence Day's kamikaze ripoff, which, by the way... I actually think it's fantastic that he uses the visual language we know to make you think he's going to do an Independence Day and then completely interrupts that in order to make his real point about like what's really going on and what he wants his characters to actually learn. Uh, I love the line, too, by uh, Rose where she says, sometimes it's not about killing what you hate. It's It's about about saving saving what what you love. love. So good. That is an amazing line. Which is directly in contrast to Kylo Ren's arc in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> Sorry, number six, unfunny, quote, funny moments. Seven is rehash scenes and making it worse than the original. I don't actually know which rehash scene. Like, this movie is less subtle in its homages than Force Awakens was, right? Like, Force Awakens is A New Hope, and this movie is Empire, but it's Empire in, like, a reverse. completely screwed up and weird reverse way. We- yeah, like. Was this written by a it's bot? It's homage. No. No, by I John wish. S. By uh, the way, yeah, we John S. wrote this. No. We haven't mentioned anything about Porgs yet. Uh, yes, they are the snack food of the galaxy. And yes, they're great. They <laughs> they're adorable. They're in the movie just enough. And it tastes like chicken. Yeah. <laughs> they're maybe the best like comedic... Um, they also look like chicken. <laughs> com- uh, com- comedic relief in the film. Yeah. Uh, it I'm is saying. funny when Chewie's trying to eat one, and that one has that like the doughy-eye like, Disney look. <laughs> <laughs> and other people are angry at that, too. Like, I don't like vegan Chewie. Like... Whoa, that's the weirdest thing to be angry about. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, last three. Ray is uh, Ray is better off being a Sith than a Jedi. I don't know how that's a critique of the film. Yeah. Um, okay. Ky- Kylo is boring as villain. Uh, he's giving villains a bad rep. Are we really worried about the reputation of villains? Uh, <laughs> and then the last one, best critique of the Star Wars of a Star Wars movie. This is no Star Wars. That is the number one or wait, the wait, number wait, ten can go reason. On and on. Oh, he could go on and on, yes. Especially when he's when he's still only at the great argument of this is no Star Wars. There's even a uh, petition to like terrible. There's de- a petition to canonize this movie. Yeah. Yeah, those people are fucking numbskulls. Not gonna happen. Like, Give I, up. I ju- right I understand if this movie doesn't work for you. But stop taking your idea of what this movie should be and what you shipped at home. Like, if you're that sad that like Finn and Poe aren't together at the end of this movie. Like, I'm sorry. Then stay home. If all you want is your Star Wars movie, go write it and imagine it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But I want someone to tell me a story I haven't thought of. I think that's why this movie is seen. so good. It's because you don't expect it. Yeah. You expected something huge revelation that, you know, Ray was a Kenobi or, um, you know, I don't know. Just you expect. Yeah. 
more that they Which, don't give it to you, I think so. Snoke was Mace Windu. Yeah. yeah. Ray as a Kenobi was my guess just based on the clues from the last one, but I also believe I've said before that I, I hoped it was really nobody. She needs to just be an orphan. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, when they said that's what it was, I was like, yes, like, thank God. And you can't even, you know, the first time I saw it going into the second time, I was like, oh, I wonder if, you know, because of the whole Snoke in Kylo's mind thing and giving them the visions, does that mean it's not true? But Ray's actually the one to say it. Um, like she's the one to to reveal that thing. Sure, JJ could explain that away, but I don't know why. Did she say it? She's the first one to say it. So he says, like, when he's like, "I know who your parents are, and you've known the whole time." Say it. She's the first one to say. Yeah, she says they're, they're no. They're, they're she nobody. says they're nobody, and then he says, "That's right. They were junker. They were out like you know they junkers. junkers. They sold, sold you for, for drinking drink. money. Okay. Yeah. Like he's the one who gives you more explanation, but she says she's the first one to say they're nobody. Mm-hmm. You know." And it's such a powerful, especially because her whole story, I mean, the first thing she says to, to Luke, well, not the first thing, but the big statement she has to Luke is, I want to know what my place is in all this, you know? And part of that is the story of an orphan of why am I here? Why does no one love me? Why was I left alone? Like that fits perfectly with her arc. If it's anything else, I, it, like then it's, <coughs> then it's just, you know, Hey, we we brought back you know another one of these characters. They're only important because there's only eight important people in the world. Like no, Ray Ray gets to be her own character now. She gets to be important because of the things she does, and that makes it great. You know, if she's only important because she's another Skywalker, like fuck, why why was Luke important? I mean, I guess because he was a Skywalker, but just yeah. not. Very yeah, but remember too when you first met Luke, you didn't know he was a Skywalker. Right, he was a nobody. Yeah, if that movie hadn't been Star Wars, it's entirely I possible. Give that kudos to the f- finale. Like the first time I watched that, I didn't it didn't hit me. But the second time I watched <laughs> Luke's end and the fact that he's like looking at the two sons, <laughs> I'm just like, just crushed me. Yeah, <laughs> the second time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's pretty good. But I think he'll be back. Uh, yeah, he's definitely not gonna not show up as a ghost, guys. But <laughs> like someone, I read someone else say it like it would be a, like the next movie would be amazing if he was constantly just haunting Kylo Ren. Yeah, oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> like yeah. every time Kylo Ren's his, feeling good about is feeling good about himself, like his mission as a ghost. Remember your scumbag. <laughs> like if anyone can bring Kylo back, it's Ghost Anakin or Ghost Luke, like showing up to 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 basically. Do to Lu- to Kylo what Snoke did to Kylo while he was in his, under his tutelage. No, go back to what you first said. It should be Ghost Anakin hitting go- Christensen. Yes, comes back I what they would nine. do if they would get Hayden Christensen to play Ghost Anakin, or would they get like a really old man? I mean, I would get a really old man because I don't want to give any money to to Hayden Christensen. But <laughs> what's he doing now? Poor guy. Yeah. Sorry, I have to point out this other one because or a- old Jake Lloyd. <laughs> this- <laughs> He's in prison. Oh, true story. Yeah, the fans uh, drove him to crime. Sorry. Okay, this person says, I noticed an absence of a good plot, good dialogue, good jokes. Here's where it gets great. In quotes, may the force be with you. Hey, there's a movie, there's a scene in this uh, in this movie, which, by the way, I think it's the only Star Wars movie to pass the Bechtel test. There's a scene in this movie where two people say to each other, may the force be with you at the same time, and the scene is long because they kind of like, it's a funny moment. They say it to each other at the same time. But this person never heard the phrase in the movie. Uh, also, uh, no one ever felt a disturbance in the Force. This movie is mostly 
people feeling disturbances in the force. <laughs> so like, announce their feelings. How do you leave a half star review when you didn't pay fucking attention? Because they did. Because they're. Did they even see it? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. I, again, are, how many of these are bots, man? <laughs> <laughs> Mm, yeah, I'm not saying there's a conspiracy, but conspiracy, right. <laughs> uh, conspiracy yeah. theory starring Mel Gibson. <laughs> Sheesh, take this further than it needs to go. <laughs> Anyways, Star Wars is awesome. Yeah, uh, what are we seeing next week? Why for Yoda? Are you the, seeing Jumanji? The... <laughs> uh, I'll see Jumanji. Want to do Jumanji? Are, it's our last movie of the year, guys. So I'll do Jumanji if we all write Why for is Yoda, the else? V for Vendetta spinoff. Is it two weeks left? Well, it no. goes the 22nd and then the 29th. Oh yeah, and there's nothing really coming out. On yeah, the but weren't we? Um, oh, there's like I guess all the money in the world and okay, yeah. Fucking... No, yeah, we have. <laughs> yeah, this week is possibly Jumanji, and then the 29th, and then January 1st is Monday. Zach, you got to stop smoking. You're breaking. Uh, you're breaking Brad's concentration. <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I, okay. I only have one request. Can we do the film explosion on a day I don't work? That would yes. be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. What? Uh, <laughs> yes. I didn't. Hear, I didn't can, hear that. Can, can we do film explosion on a day I don't work? <laughs> yeah, I thought we already scheduled it on a Saturday. So we're doing it the thirtieth. Oh, is that a Saturday? Yeah. Are yeah. we doing it the thirtieth or the sixth? Oh, we shouldn't do it the sixth. No. We should do it the thirtieth. Okay. Is. Does that work? Is anyone going to go see a movie on the 31st? No. <laughs> no. Okay. So, yeah, we should do it the 30th. So 30th works for me. It I'm will gonna, be the last movie. I'm going to save the best movie for the year for the 31st. Um, what time? Oh, well, I guess we could talk when we're done. But yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Alrighty. So, next week we're seeing Jumanji. Jumanji. I have heard good things. Isn't there something else that's Greatest out? Showman. Oh, yeah. Would you rather see The Greatest Showman? I'll see Jumanji. I heard it's good. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't trying to be an asshole. No, I just perfect three. I just don't find that trailer oh, very right. interesting. I, I might just show up <laughs> to the cast. That's fine. Yep. Or I might I might see uh, the fish movie and then review that instead. The chape of what that. Until yeah. next week, may the force be with you always. Always. Burn the motherfucker. Is Leia gay? What? No, she has kids. They're, they have a very close and Han moment. Solo. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, she could be bi. She, she could. She and Laura Dern have a very close moment. Maybe they just have this understanding of what they've yeah. been through. Yeah. But seriously, pass the Bechtel test. I don't think anything else did that. Any other Star Wars movies. Yeah. Night in Force Awakens? There's a deleted scene where no. Harrison Ford Ooh. just goes Na- like, Name yeah, me another woman in Force Awakens. Night. Oh, Rey. Leia? Leia. <laughs> do, does Leia... How many times does Leia meet Rey? Like, the do end. they have At a the scene? End? Yeah. Do they, they really have the a scene? Yeah. yeah, but that's just a hug. She yeah. made the force yeah. be with you. Yeah. yeah, but that's not a conversation. I have to watch it again. Laura, Laura Dern and Ray and Leia have like a. Anyway, bye. Real Nerds is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. We would also like to thank Sparks Mandrill for our music. Additional music from Ben Sounds. Thank you to Alamo Drafthouse. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. And thank you for listening to the Real Nerds Podcast.